All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Enlightened Neanderthals podcast brought to you by Training Northwest. Uh, I am the owner of Training Northwest. We're a Pacific Northwest, uh, I guess, training company, or just like the name says. We teach firearms and we're getting into, we also are going to have first aid and land navigation coming up as well as uh, some other things that I don't want to announce yet because we haven't finalized anything. Um, so episode two, what we were joined by our friend Jake, Ch- fuck, how do you say his name? Chichini, 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 and what we're we're talking uh, hunting backpack loadout. Um, this one was a really fun episode to do. Yeah, this uh, we when we got into it, this is kind of why we started the podcast in the first place. Um, we got the first episode out of the way and kind of told you why what we were doing stuff we were doing, and then this we were kind of going towards interviewing. Um, different people and there's there's going to be a whole bunch of other things that we end up doing but uh in this episode we had jake on and he talked hunting he talked uh growing up in colorado and uh how how he likes to hunt so um he's here in the northwest now and yeah we just had a good time with it yeah so all right so uh please enjoy and again if you like this share with your friends and subscribe because it helps us out all right so I'm like, I'm a dummy, <laughs> he's a recording. dummy, he's my friend, you know? Yeah. Is that why we all get along? Yeah. You can't think anything highly of him. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, uh, you're God. one of us, my friend. Yeah. And oh, that's yeah. what makes it good is, yeah. yeah we're so here we go, Endless Endeavor with Jordan, Mike, and Toby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we fucked up last time. and nope. uh Hang on, we fucked, up, we fucked up twice yeah. now. All right, so our first screw up was that we called it Around the Fire podcast on yep. our episode one introductory episode and after we recorded we looked it up and found out that there were what six six of six them, yeah. six around the fire podcast great so, fucking name though <laughs> the best name <laughs> Get on now. We, we don't want to be around the fire number seven so we have settled on <laughs> enlightened neanderthals which actually fits this group because we just fucked up the second time. We were a <laughs> solid 20 minutes into this podcast and realized that the SD card. Well, hang on. The yeah, SD real fucking enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hang on. The Neanderthal. All right. We could. <laughs> I, I still say three monkeys and a football might actually be the. Uh, <laughs> we're figuring it out. We'll figure it out. We're figuring it For out. For now, it's enlightened Neanderthals. So we, uh, we got about 20 minutes into this episode and realized that the SD card was not formatting and was not recording. So we're starting all over again, take two, and uh, we've got, well, I'll say that uh, the idea for this episode is we wanted to do, in fact, the way this whole podcast was conceived is we wanted to do a uh, backcountry hunting loadout, a little bit of content, originally for Training Northwest, my, uh, my training company, but we quickly realized when we were talking about it that we should just start doing a podcast with the three of us, and I think we already covered that in the introductory episode. But anyway, here we are. We're going to do our backcountry loadout episode, and we've got a friend here from our uh, jiu-jitsu circle, Jake. How do you pronounce your last name? Chikini. 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 Yeah, Chikini. like a noodle. Yeah, you you got to make the onion Chikini. with your fingers Chikini. when you do it. Yeah, you like the penne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, Jake, go ahead, introduce yourself again, and uh, we'll take it from there. Hello, I'm Jake Cicchini, and I am a dude who's done a lot of hunting in his <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're here. I grew up hunting. Um, somewhere out there, there's a 
photo of me floating around when I was like two years old in a diaper carrying around like a 22 rifle shooting rattlesnakes and stuff like that so I've just been hunting my entire life um, wild yeah <laughs> do you eat them I don't know if we ever ate them you know, I got a crazy. couple rattles I, I grew up in Omac we did the same shit yeah I would eat one now absolutely I, like I'll eat anything I hate snakes yeah snake I absolutely shed dude one year I, I could have a camp. spider live in my ear. Yeah. I would never touch a snake. Ugh. I can't do spiders. Ugh. No, I'd eat a snake. I'm sure we didn't eat them back then. No, we didn't eat yeah. them, but we'd, because there's rattlesnakes all over eastern Washington, so mm-hmm. when we saw them, we'd just shoot them with a 22. Yeah, yeah. But Jake's two years old doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair. He's literally going to use that rattle for a toy. For a rattle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, hey, go ahead, man. Picture me, like, I, in the crib with like a you know with the orange cap on the barrel little lever gun like yeah. it just it's been my whole life forever awesome um and this is in colorado yeah this is in colorado where, okay. where i'm from um my whole f- big extended family we're all elk hunters is kind of our shtick so you know we've done kind of done everything um from antelope deer elk bears moose Every kind of small game. I don't know if I'm leaving stuff out. Just kind of everything. Though I'm a pretty piss poor fisherman. <laughs> yeah. That's why you moved to Washington. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Where from Colorado are you from? Uh, like Denver. Kind of, the, you know, Denver area. And then where we go hunting is usually out towards like Gunnison, which is um, kind of central east-ish Colorado. Oh, Mike, Somebody's is that, is that phone your phone going off? Oh, oh my Kozak. God. All the shit God. he talks. <laughs> Man. My alarm. You, you get away with it because you saved us with the SD card. Well, we'll find out. Right. All right, so, Jake, be, before we realize we screwed up the recording, um, you were saying that you didn't necessarily set out to go backcountry hunting, but sometimes you guys – so if, if you guys set out on a – let's say you're headed out on a uh, Saturday morning, would you guys always have packs loaded just in case you needed to leave the truck? Or were there weekends where you're like, you know what, no matter what, we're sticking close to the roads and hunting from the car? Or how, how would you guys go about it? You know, that that was a lot of it, just kind of like being in the truck and tooling around. Though we didn't really have, like, bags packed ready for multi-day things, but we had, like, a box of stuff that we could then throw into the backpacks if we needed it to become that. Got it. Um, and we'd kind of venture off that way. I don't know when we really started backcountry hunting. We always just went hunting. It, like, any kind of hunting was hunting. I didn't realize I was backcountry hunting until it kind of got popular recently, and that's what people were calling it. I was like, oh, that, I do that. You yeah, know? We, we call it hunting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so whether it's just driving up a dirt road until you get to your stand and then you walk 30 yards off the road and you're watching over a gully, or maybe it's a really, really rutted out 20 mile long dirt road that, you know, that's pretty backcountry. You're not getting just a regular pickup truck up there. Yeah. You drive all the way out there to hunt elk. And then eventually they're, you know, even further, a couple of gulches away. And then you get the grand plan of, well, we got to get there. So, we're going to drive the Jeep all the way to the end of this dirt road, and then we're going to park it, and then we're going to walk five miles from the end of that up a creek drainage and set up tents and stay for three days and hunt elk, you know, because we're just hunting elk. We didn't really think about, oh, we're backcountry hunters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Just elk hunters. Just going where the elk are because mm-hmm. that's how you hunt. Yep. All right, makes sense. Um, 
how did we get talked? Again, the first first attempt we got to talking about the Roosevelts out on uh, the peninsula. I don't remember what this. You you uh, were asking Jordan about. screwing up. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, you know what? I like that story so much. Tell it again. Well, he, we were talking about the difference between the uh, Rocky oh, the, Mountain, the body elk, size, and the body size. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, and how how much how much you're getting when you're packing packing these elk back out, and that you bone them out and everything because it only makes sense to do that when you're yeah yeah so you <coughs> i don't remember which state is the one that has the law about it but you cannot bring bones over state lines because of chronic wasting disease got it and they're trying to keep it localized where the disease is at now and so they're in theory if you take bones from somewhere else bring them here then that can get out into the population here and then that's a real big issue yeah I think so, I think chronic wasting disease started in uh, Wyoming, in like the '60s. No kidding. Yeah, and it, it that was the first case I believe. Was okay. In the in the mid '60s, I think, and they found chronic wasting disease, and it slowly spread everywhere. Now it's a real issue in like uh, the Midwest, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do they think it's, it's like bad. a tick thing, like Lyme disease? Is that gives it to them? From what I understand, it's like mad cow. Okay. Like a prion disease, a brain disease, and they slowly, their brain rots, and they just waste away. Mm-hmm. How do they get it? Because, like, isn't mad cow, like, from, when like, you eat brains as a person, that's how you get that prion in your body and stuff? Like, cannibals well, get it and I, stuff I think like that. I they can get it from, like, like they, they eating off urine the ground. and all kinds of different things that are they're sniffing around in. I think I could be completely wrong. Don't take this for yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but this uh, is a science podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all all feelings, no facts here. Um, but yeah, I think I think they can get it from any number of ways through like the same way you can get COVID. <laughs> I, you know, I thought you only got COVID from gay sex. Yeah, that's that's what it is. I've had it three times. That's yeah. monkeypox. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know they can get it from like rubbing noses and stuff. I think yeah. it's a population density issue. Yeah, there's too damn many white-tailed deer, kind of thing, and too small of areas, and then this disease gets to be prevalent, and then they just it just blows through the whole population. Mm. It's a real problem, yeah. and I think it's. I'd love to experience I'm that sure population heard, density, though. Um, yeah. It's 100% fatal, is what I've, I'm pretty sure I've heard. Well, do you follow buffalo at all? Like, um, buffalo, when American settlers really came here, they're like, oh, man, the populations are out of control. They're like 30 million to 50 million. Mm-hmm. But if you look at how it happened, like the Spanish and all the conquistadors came to the Americas, right? And they brought all this disease. And they say that that disease that they brought killed about, I don't know, was 70, 80% of the indigenous population. Mm-hmm. Well, the, main, the buffalo's main predator was people. So then you have all these Spanish that come and they all get wiped out or they wipe out the indigenous people. No one's hunting the buffalo. Then you get buffalo herds that are out of control. And then... Oh, man. What's that buffalo disease? Berculosis. Bursalosis. Bursalosis, right? No, brucellosis. Yeah. And that's the same thing that happens in cattle, mm-hmm. right? And they said, oh, it could have been from 
uh, buffalo getting close to c- cattle, cattle farmers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it's something you see. I mean, disease. Yeah. I mean, don't most of our sicknesses come from mass commercial farming and stuff like that? Avian flu, all these, sw- you know, swine flu. Yeah. It's yeah, from those type going. of things. So, yeah, it's interesting thinking about how chronic wasting disease and having huge populations that don't get checked, it transfers really quickly, isn't it? Yeah, and then it just blows through the ungulate population. Yeah, but chronic wasting disease seems to be more and more of a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's mean, it's a real concern. Yeah, it's really an issue. How, how do you know if you put an animal down? Is it obvious that it has it, or do you have to like usually hair like they're patchy and hair? Yeah, they look they don't look, look good. like Mike's beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I mean, my... we're talking about stuff that's pretty outside my wheelhouse, right? Um, yeah, but pretty sure if it's hunter. really, if it's really advanced, yeah, I've seen pictures where they're really maddy and mangy, mangy. kind of yeah. looking, doing circles, um, looking just. I don't know if you can just kind of, tell kind of if one acting has deranged. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know in like Wisconsin, they have testing stations and stuff where you shoot a deer, you bring it over there, you have it tested, mm-hmm. you know, because you may or may not know. Okay, but you can I, do the same thing here with anything, and then at that point, there's the the waste not want not kind of uh, mm-hmm. laws aren't in play. You know, same Got with it. like bear. I think you can get bear tested, mm-hmm. and then if it if it has um, trigonosis, you don't have to. Yeah, don't eat you it, send right? their? Yeah, but you should. No, you if should. If your bear has trichinosis, eat the damn bear. Yeah, heat it up. Just cook right. it. Yeah, you got to get it to what? One sixty-five. Uh, Is it one sixty-five? Okay, I thought it was one forty-five. Same as don't eat my bear sausage. One forty-five. But I've heard that you can freeze it if you freeze it for a month. It kills the trick. I think you got to deep really? freeze it. Not I heard just if like you spin it really fast in a bag, it's <laughs> yeah. fucking good to go. Let it ride, boys. I prayed towards Mecca next to my bear meat, and it was good to go. <laughs> oh, oh god! All right. So the theme of this episode was going is going to be uh, kind of like what we would put in our packs for a backcountry loadout, and then the packs themselves. So kind of my thought was to go with like the big three: food, water, shelter. Mm-hmm. But then we should probably start with the actual. You know, the, the pack itself that all that stuff is going to go into. Um, so, of course, I said, all right, everybody bring their packs. And then I had an insanely busy week, and I'm the one of the four who didn't actually show up with a backpack. Uh, but if you guys want to go, let's start with Jordan, because the last time when we started talking about this at the kitchen table, Jordan just started dropping knowledge on us. And that literally is how we got to, uh, well, we need to start a podcast. Um, so I see at least two Kifaru packs over there. And Mike, which pack is yours? I have a, the one on the left. I have a full curl horn system okay. with a main bag, a game bag, and then um, an add-on light bag. Okay. And does yours have a beer shelf? Do we all have beer shelves? Meat, yeah, yeah, I have a meat shelf. Every okay. one of them has a meat Every, shelf. Every beer okay. shelf. God yeah, damn yeah, yeah. it. That thing is tailor-made for carrying a half rack of beer <laughs> into the mountains. <laughs> and actually, before we go too far on that, the one reason these hunting head, yeah. packs really caught my attention is um, the last time, or when Jordan and I went uh, last year, and we, did, we didn't really go backcountry. We were within a mile of the car. Um, but it dawned on me that that meat shelf has it, like some significant tactical value for an, for an army style back or a military style uh, backpack, just because normally, you know, you have all your sort of uh, equipment to sustain yourself, your, your sleeping bag, your water, your MREs, but everybody's also carrying 
extra batteries for the radio or um, belts of rounds for the machine guns or mortar rounds or, you know what I mean, team, team equipment and the ability to separate that bag from the frame and have that space in there, like uh, think, or think even like a, a Javelin missile or uh, AT-4 rockets, um, what else, uh, rounds for the Carl Gustav 83-millimeter recoilless rifle, having that meat shelf, beer shelf, whatever you want to call it, um, that's a great space to put you know, team equipment that, you want kept separate from your personal sort of sustainment gear where it's quick and easy to get to. And anybody and every, like you can drop your ruck during an engagement and anybody on the team can run up to it knowing that you have an AT4 in there or a belt of machine gun rounds and it's quick and accessible. Um, but anyway, all right. So that, that, that's why these, these backpacks really caught my attention. Cause I was like, that is a goddamn genius idea. And I don't know why uh, the military has not caught on to that. No. Um, I think, I mean, we're all kind of gear guys. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you like to look and see what's out oh, there. It's fun, yeah. But what you're seeing is a little bit of a transition from, um, what do they call it? An external frame pack to an internal frame pack is what I feel all these, like the meat shelf and stuff like that is. You used to have a bag that was um, metal piping, yeah, you know, the, aluminum the, piping. The, old, and the army rucksack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And now you have a lot of things that are like, uh, Kuyu has all carbon fiber and they have these little internal frames that then can hold a tremendous amount of weight. So I, I think mine is technically an external frame. Like, so I bought a Mr. Uh, mystery ranch bear tooth 80 mm-hmm. and, uh, just it's almost like a hybrid, like internal frame, external frame. Because yeah. Again, that meat shelf, you're separating the bag from the frame by a couple of nylon straps. So to me, that's an external frame. Er- earlier today on the range, we were talking about me and Jake were talking about the uh, the meat shelf, mm-hmm. and and he's not a proponent for the meat shelf in the situation that we have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I wanted it to work real bad. Yeah. Um. But I'm honestly not a giant fan. I've got kind of a new system okay. that I use because at least on, I don't know how your guys' bags are, but on my bag, the meat shelf is. It's what, real, what, what kind of bag do you have, so and what's your, what's have your a, gear there? I have a Kafaru Woodsman that I've got kind of legoed out pretty good. It's got medium and large pouches on one side, a scope pouch on the other, then their guide lid on top, and then a Sherman pocket on the back. So. I've got it set up to where I can really dress it down small for like a day pack if I want, or I can really blow it up for like a seven to 10 day type of bag or anything in between. Because when I bought it, I could only afford one bag. I wanted one bag to do everything with. So I wanted the meat shelf to work real bad, but I find with my bag, it requires so much just dicking around I can swear on your guys' podcast, oh, right? Oh, fuck yeah. No. Nope. Fuck no, you can't. <laughs> and also six feet apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's so much dicking around with straps and buckles and expanding things and opening stuff up to free the meat shelf, and then you load it, and then you're trying to cinch stuff back together, and meat is kind of falling out the sides of it, and then all of your gear that was in your main bag is now further back, so your center of gravity is kind of pulling you backwards, and... Then you walk one load out to the truck, and then you got to suck the whole thing back closed again, walk back in, open it all back up, put more meat on. It just, it's just a nightmare. So what I have started doing is I just carry a contractor bag with me, 
and after I kill something, I go dress it out. I go hike all my gear out to the truck. I come back in with my empty backpack, and I put the contractor bag inside the main bag, fill it with meat, and start walking. Yeah. Okay. You know, and that keeps the yeah. blood out of it. Kiss simple. Yeah, I've done that, th- I don't know, three, four times now. Yeah. It's the move. It works okay. really, really well. I put a whole antelope in that backpack once. Did you? Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> Right. So that's kind of my system now. Right. I like it. Um, yeah, and that's more or less what I've I've done with this because of, of that same thing. I, I have the uh, the reckoning, the Kafara reckoning, and that's the same system as far as the meat shelf goes. And I got it thinking that that would be a great move. Um, but because of all the fuckery that mm-hmm. you got to deal with, um, it, it does kind of make it a pain in the ass. So same thing, fucking yeah. big black contractor bag. Mm-hmm. And fill it up, and there we go. Um, but I, my dream setup is that that because uh, I do I do think there is utility in having the um, meat shelf or the beer shelf, as Toby calls it, because uh, the the utility is just it's there, you yeah. know. Um, so like they have a the what is it the stalker or no the striker. So the striker, yeah. they had the striker and the striker XL, and all right, maybe they got rid of those now. And but the newest iteration of it for Kafaru, anyway, because I'm a big Kafaru guy, um, is the Hellbender, and that the meat shelf is a lot more straightforward. It's just clips, the whatever those clips are that just buckle right together, and yeah, that's, now that's how I'm you can run it. I'm wishing I had my pack here because that mystery ranch pack, it's like four buckles, and the meat shelf is open. Yeah. Yeah, and it, they have like the Metcalf does that. I think the the Mystery Ranch Metcalf has the same setup, and and all, both these companies also have like military style packs, like where it's they're they, based they on. They do, mm-hmm. and I and so I looked at the military style ones, and it's basically a backpacking backpack plus Molly straps. Yeah, it's like, dude, what? Why not put the uh, in the in this case it would be a uh, javelin missile shelf. Go go ahead and put that uh, Carl Gustav shelf on there. Because even if they don't use it, at least you have that option. And I can remember, uh, you know, 20-mile overland movements where guys would take their ruck frame and just take the bag off completely. So it's a naked frame, and then they would bungee cord. Uh, in fact, the uh, the AGs for the, the recoilless rifle, the assistant gunners for the Carl Gustav system, that is how they carried rounds onto an objective. We had these big molded plastic holders that could hold, one person could only hold two rounds on their back. So they'd have a naked rucksack frame mm-hmm. with a uh, molded plastic holder for two Carl Gustav rounds sort of uh, paracorded to that naked frame. And that, that's how the assistant gunners would, would carry the rounds onto, onto target. And uh, uh, again, I can remember long overland movements where uh, – guys would just strip their strip the bag of their ruck off you know naked frame and then bungee cord like an at4 and some extra machine gun rounds to that naked frame because it was mm-hmm. it was the best way to transport it you know that's kind of the main way me and my dad will do it he's my main hunting partner um you know he's kind of my guy we've just been hunting together forever yeah just get along anyway so one of our main kind of systems i guess is we've both got our day bags that are set up for whatever it is we're doing whether it's the afternoon or you know two days whatever but then in the truck we just keep two bare frames with nothing that, but an aluminum frame with a shelf 
Yep. And then after you go get something down, instead of farting <coughs> with putting, oh, yeah. dealing with your meat shelf or putting a bag inside your backpack and emptying all your gear Unloading out. Unloading your pack. Yeah. yeah. You just walk back to the truck, throw the bags in the truck, grab bare frames, yep. go up and start strapping stuff to those bare frames. Yep. I, I can't it's think quick. of the brand. It's it's the sportsman's guide, like house brand, but you can get a bare frame pack, like not bare, B-E-A-R, but like bare, B-A-R-E, bare just frame with shoulder straps for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I, I was actually thinking of getting one for, for our river property out where we run the the shooting classes just because when you hike up and down that bluff to the river carrying coolers or fucking greg's hiked up and down it carrying a barbecue yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it would be nice to have that just naked frame to to strap stuff to well i know guys that'll do the same thing with those naked like you said naked frame and then they'll just mount their backpack to that Right, and then so if they get something, oh, like a day pack type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just strap your backpack to that aluminum frame. Then if you get something, you remove your backpack, set it on your GPS, or it's at your camp, and then you just haul everything down. I have a full full curl, and what I kind of like about that pack, I mean, it's not the best, not the worst. What I found interesting in that pack is that mainly it's the frame, and then everything else buckles in or out as the bag. So how it's loaded up now, it's got my backpacking bag in there and I've got tent, stove, all my gear. But then I also have, it weighs a pound and a half and it's just a canvas meat hauling bag. So you unclip the actual bag with your gear, put the meat hauling bag in and you're good to go. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely something to be said about having setups like that, and I think like doing what you're you're saying and having a, a dedicated pack bag or pe- pack frame mm-hmm. is kind of it's kind of the way to go in some regard. Um, I know, like, because I'm the same way with you. I I had enough money to buy one Kafaru setup, right? And it was like, come on, baby, it's gonna work yeah. for everything. So I thought, go big, and I got the 26 inch frame. And I know that when I go, like, where I hunt, I'm on the, you know, the coast, and I'm hunting uh, up and down crazy rough terrain that's thick, thick rainforest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hunt in yeah, western for, Washington. For those of you guys listening to this, he's talking about the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State, and it is a, it's a legitimate rainforest, and the underbrush is thick with a capital T-H-I-C-C. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's some spots you can get to, and it kind of opens up and stuff um, when you're kind of busting through stuff but even even just up here um in the cascades it's pretty thick oh yeah just out Um, where we were at our place today yeah so um i noticed that with the 26 inch frame coming up over my shoulders i i get caught up on on brush constantly so Mm. trying to duck through this and then and it's just an extra bit of bullshit that you don't want to be dealing with and that's why you know i i'd like to get a smaller frame and ideally end up getting going with that striker so it's yeah. a frame that's there it's my backpack is connected and then if i do get something down i don't have to hike back i got the frame on my pack or on my back already so i can just load it up with the meat shelf utilizing that in a lot easier situation mm-hmm. um, and then once you like if you're hiking into a place and doing backcountry stuff where it's like oh well, i got all this gear that i got again and you can just take a big dry bag stick it in there take that out to camp set all your all your you know all your gear for camp pull that out set it down suck everything up and now you're ready to go you, mm-hmm. know, you got a day pack on yeah um, i like the thought of that 
um, I don't have that. That's not what I've mm-hmm. been using, but that's that's yeah. where I, I'd like to go. But the the I saw a guy. Um, I was out in the woods and ran into this dude, and he was moving through the woods like a fucking ninja, and he was like, you know, probably in his mid-60s. Um, but he had a lumbar pack on, and that's, that's what he said. Uh, he said, I run a lumbar pack, because I was like, oh, that's, you know, kind of cool setup. And you're talking like a big, like a large fanny pack? Like a large yeah. fanny pack, yeah. Like, like, like you see guys turkey hunting with. Yeah, yeah, like yes. duck blind and all that. Talk kind like of shoulder stuff. straps and yeah. As yeah, a matter of okay. fact, I got one sitting right there. You can check okay. that out. Um, but uh, that uh, he, he was moving really good in the woods with that, and he had a kill kit and he had it all set up in there. So then, like, you know, when he did get something down, he was going to go back to the truck and grab his his aluminum framed, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, setup. And you know, the guy the guy had more weight on a pack than I probably ever will get on a pack from the stories he was telling. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, yeah. uh, Mike, Mike's running away to pee. Do you guys want to pause it and take a pee break? Cause I'm, my back teeth are floating. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. We're back. What happened? Duck hunting. Oh, I just, <laughs> <laughs> we were digging our, our backpacks out and bringing them over closer to where we're, we're recording so that we had them handy. Yep. And one of the bags is still packed up from duck hunting. And yeah, you guys had some good duck hunting stories. What do you got, chicharron? No, yeah, we didn't yeah. have good duck hunting, but we had a good time. <laughs> no, we had a great time. It was horrible duck hunting. It was oh. the end of the season. It was a bluebird day. It, it was, was very it nice. Was it was beautiful, beautiful. out there. Yeah. I saw a shooting star in the morning. I made <laughs> a wish, and it didn't come true. Yeah. Didn't kill one duck. Well, well, that was, it was, yeah, but I got, I got beef jerky sticks and Oboyoberto sticks and chicharrones and Beer cans. Miller Lite. Chiladas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bunch of fucking ammo that hasn't been shot because there was no birds. <laughs> All right. Although I think I think we shot at one bird like five times. Like, at, Oh, there was at least that seven. Seven. We had waited there maybe, what, two and a half hours? You know, it was getting towards a little later in the morning. And we called and one duck broke off. And it flew over five guys. I must have heard 15, 20 shots. <laughs> oh, and all I see is this bird <laughs> flying off into the sunset. <laughs> it caught us so far off guard. <laughs> By the all time right. I realized what was going on, you know. Yeah. Like, all right. I'm going to bring us back around. So Okay. I've got one last thing to say yeah. on the meat shelf thing. And then, you know, we can move on from there. Yeah. So, the kind of final and main reason I prefer to just kind of put a contractor bag in my main bag compartment and fill that with meat is I like it all to be like fully encapsulated like not for like air purposes obviously but as far as like hiking goes you know just for the weight distribution because like we were talking about the uh, CWD you can't bring bones over state lines so it's just kind of a habit for me and my father when we get something down we just bone it all out right there we just bring a tarp lay it all out so we're not carrying out quarters like we've all seen that real famous mm-hmm. photo of joe rogan he's got the moose quarter on his shoulder and it's still with the bones in it and stuff mm-hmm. yeah i don't want to i don't want to carry That's all that 80 shit. pounds yeah. extra just of bones right so we bone it all out you know, cut all the calves off and rib meat like everything but then when you got all these small pieces of meat that are just meat and no structure to them and you're putting them in cheesecloth game bags that gets to be kind of a amorphous, unruly blob. 
and the weight is shifting around on you and yeah, totally. even really strapped well, onto try, a pack frame. Try picking up an unconscious person. And they, sure. they have their bones in them still. And it still is like a, a it's, you're trying to pick up a bag of water that weighs 180 pounds or something. It's like it's grappling like, with Tobin. son of a bitch yeah so even if it's strapped all around you got four straps around the game bag as you start walking the meat starts kind of mushing out the sides and one Uh, side always winds up heavier than the other but if you jam it inside your bag all that meat stays right there that's a great point that's a great point yeah so that's kind of my final i I gave up on the meat shelf yeah i like that. that that thanks for sharing that um okay so let's go into Food, water, shelter. Mike, what, what do you bring in for uh, – do you bring shelter? Do you just – Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bring a tent. Um, everything I try and do is semi-light. I don't like hauling extra weight with me. You have like a crazy expensive, like hyper-light style backpack. Uh, not tent. even crazy light. If you can find a two-pound tent, you're okay. good. If you can find a two-pound sleeping bag, you're good. So just everything that you can do – the better yeah. for weight. Um, so shelter, just bring a, a small two-person tent, which is technically a one-person tent. Yeah. You know, I've gone up with I Buddy. Jordan and I made a two-person tent work. Yeah, yeah that's I've been there too, and it's not <laughs> a two-person tent, is it? I beg to differ. You guys are spooning every we warm. Yeah, you didn't yeah. need the sleeping bag. It was 17 degrees out, and we were warm. <laughs> we were warm, yeah. Yeah, so. One sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so... Um, and Tobin doesn't wear uh, underwear in the backcountry. Oh, yeah, that's what we learned about this, right? Crotrot. You guys don't want crotrot in the backcountry. I think you guys probably got crotrot. Crotrot and monkey butt. Ever, <laughs> yeah, that, I don't want it at home. <laughs> Although, to be to be fair, in November in eastern Washington, when it's 17 degrees, crotrot probably isn't a big concern. No. Yeah, no. That, that's an old army habit. that bro, I, d- I didn't wear underwear from age 19 to about 34, 35. Like, I straight up didn't wear underwear. Because you just... From fear of crotch rot? You don't wear underwear in the army because you get you get monkey butt and crotch rot when you're rucking, you know, dozens of miles. All so I'll time. say that. I'll say the, the, the chafing of those jeans. Uh, the on o- the only reason I started wearing underwear again is because I started doing construction and I was wearing the heavy Carhartt duck like canvas <laughs> pants and the, that shit rubbed that shit rubbed on my shit and I was like, oh, I got to start wearing underwear again. Yeah, a pair yeah, of the callus. I felt like a, you ever okay. put tape on a cat's paws. That's yeah. how I felt when I put underwear on again for the first time. <laughs> how do I move? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm kind of frozen in spot. Like, what's going Something's weird. Something's off here. <laughs> All right. I got a chafey pro tip that I figured out, though. Because I am not a no underwear guy at all. But Just don't wear so like, like right now I'm wearing um, my Kuyu long underwear just because our pants all got muddy from we were hanging out earlier today. So I took them off. I'm just sitting here in my long underwear. So if you're getting chafing issues, you take your boys and you poke them through the hole of your underwear, let them hang out so they're now separated. Do you not suffocate them? Like, are you cutting off oxygen when you do that? I mean, don't strangle them, you know. You're not putting a fucking... Is this, is this an Ezekiel? <laughs> you poke your boys through your pissing hole. Yep. So they're kind of isolated now, floating between your long underwear and your underwear. <laughs> no And it keeps way. everything nice and separate. <laughs> I think, and you don't <laughs> get chafing. I think my kids do that you. not on purpose. No, <laughs> no way. I more learned that from being right. a carpenter. 
you oh, know, shit. and you're That's just climbing good. up and down ladders and stuff all day, hanging cabinets and stuff. You start getting chafy, and then eventually I've, you just I'm, figure I'm it never, out. I'm never going to look at a carpenter on a job site the same way again. You know he's got his balls out. Yeah. His balls. Son of a bitch. This is A zipper away for... Somehow we, we were talking about sleep systems. Yes. And we got, I'm still we, just and we got, and we got away the, by yeah. his mess. Somehow yeah. we got <laughs> the Jake that, that, yeah, junk out of his fly. Hey, you seriously do that? Swear to God. Works? Oh, yeah. I do it at work. I'm not doing it right now. Jordan, try it right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> try it right now. I, I can't. <laughs> oh, not wearing underwear? You don't have any junk? Yeah, well, I got half a, <laughs> half a pair. Tune <laughs> uh, into right. episode one. <laughs> <to find laughs> oh, uh, shit. It was a zipper incident. All right, so I was actually stoked because I found on Amazon, I didn't think it was available for uh, commercial sale, but of course it is, is the, the Army's sleep system which came with uh it's ridiculously heavy the entire thing probably weighs seven pounds out of control but it's it's three bags it's a it's a green lightweight bag a black heavy i think the black bag is like a negative god it's like a negative 10 degree sleeping bag and the green bag is a 20 degree bag and then it has the the important part is the 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 gore-tex bivy sack in like a camo pattern um, and I know from experience that that bivy sack works and I trust it. And I was looking at different bivy bags online because I love that you can just have this little nylon thing you throw. Because where we live, it's we live in a rainforest, right? Mm-hmm. And so seven months out of the year, you can you can count on being wet here at night. It, whether Even if it's not, even if you get lucky and it's not raining, you're going to have condensation all over you in the morning. Mm-hmm. So having that Gore-Tex bag to throw over the top of your sleeping bag is sort of like invaluable. And... Uh, um, shit, what was I going to say about this bag? So I, I've used it all over the world in, in my army days and uh, found it found it on uh, on Amazon. I bought the whole sleep. You can buy the bivy bag by itself or you can buy the whole sleep system. And just out of nostalgia, I paid 250 bucks for the whole sleep system because if you put all three bags together, it's rated for like negative 50, which I don't know when I would ever be in that situation. But again, just because I am sort of like a, like prepper light, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. having a couple extra sleeping bags around the house for the kids and for the family and whatnot. Like it, it's never a bad thing. But anyway, I like having that bivy sack rolls up about it. it probably the bivy sack itself probably weighs a pound, and it rolls up about the size of a football. And you just shove that in there. And then I have a nice like uh, it's electric blue Jordan. Yeah, it's a nice North Face twenty degree bag and <laughs> real nice for glassing. <laughs> he, pulled, he pulls that thing out and he's got an electric blue fucking. Bag he's climbing in as for glass, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> well, he's like, it's I, cold. To, to this day, I, I get all right. So you guys listening, I am a novice, novice, novice hunter, and so we're it's early morning, sun's barely up. Jordan and I crawl out of the tent, seventeen degrees. We start. Uh, we're watching two different sides of a ridge line, two two different draws, and uh, I was like, fuck this, I'm getting in my sleeping bag. Pull my sleeping bag out because I'm deer colorblind, and I don't. To this day, I don't know if you were fucking with me. He goes. They can see blue. I was like, <laughs> son of a bitch. So I, I got out of my sleeping bag, turned it inside out, so the black side was out. Got back in it. He's not going to tell me. To, I, in fact, I don't want to know now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life thinking maybe deer can see blue. Maybe they can't. I don't know. <laughs> That's the color spectrum they're, they're, they're using. Just blue. Yeah. Just they, they can see that electric blue sleeping yeah. bag up on the mountain. It's like this fucking guy. He's like a fucking blueberry out here. Sitting in his... <laughs> Oh man! 
So between the, between my twenty degree bag, which I don't I don't know if it's a two pounder, it might be a little heavier than that. It's a pretty nice sleeping bag though, um, and then that Gore Tex bivy bag around it. There's there's not too many because it doesn't it rarely gets really cold here where we live. We typically hover above thirty five degrees. We'll have these cold snaps like we're having now where we get some uh, cold clear days, but realistically, especially in like hunting season, you're looking at. 35, 40 degrees on the west side of the Cascades. Yeah. Um, so really it's more about keeping water off of you than uh, anything else. Um, so that that's my sleep system, unless we're together. And then in which case you can, you know, somebody can carry the tent, somebody can carry the poles. Like I said, Jordan and I mm-hmm. shared a two-man tent. It was cozy, but we stayed warm all night. The wind was howling that night, so I'm actually glad that we had it, put up the rain fly, and it kept, like, we were definitely warm inside there. Tents number one. I mean, you want something that'll keep the rain off you, keep the wind off of you, hold a little bit of your heat, and lightweight. Like I said, my tent only weighs maybe 2.1, 2.3 pounds. But, I mean, it's not only a shelter, it's somewhere to keep all your gear a little bit, um, keep everything out of the elements, and... Yeah, it's in, okay, so for my sleep system, I'll do a tent, I'll do my sleeping bag, which is lightweight bag as well, I'll do a lightweight blanket, right, Uh, maybe weighs under a pound, if it's really cold, I'll shove that in my tent, and then the last thing is, is I just keep a space blanket Uh, in my backpack, so if it's really cold, you put either all of that stuff in your little space blanket, or even you can lay your space blanket over, like kind of parachute it over your tent, and the amount of heat retention it holds is out of control. That's another great tip. That's why we're doing this. That's a really good idea. Oh, it's insane. And then last is what you're laying on the ground with. So I used to use just a roll-up foam, um, ultralight foam, Topper, I guess. Almost like a memory foam pad. No, no, not memory foam. Like the egg crate style. Yeah, yeah, just closed cell phone. Yeah, yeah, something just to do that, uh, keep the cold from transferring from the ground through you. But um, air mattresses are the way to go. Yeah, Yeah. I I have. I mean, it's just heavy as all fuck. Yeah. yeah. Ah, well, you know, I was what? gonna say I, like, I have a really you lightweight. Need to be one. Careful with the ultralight stuff. Yeah. Like the yeah. air mat, the ultralight air mattresses. Like you can ultralight yourself to death. Yeah. You know. Yep. Are you talking about the blow up mattresses? Not enough fucking air mattress. No, 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 no. For backpacking, like a thermorest. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it weighs. 0.6 pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a thermorest that I like because they're made in America, um, but it's big. Like, you can only compress a thermorest so much, and I hate to say it, but I have, my wife is really into, like, mountaineering, and she bought, I think it's made by Climate, mm-hmm. K-L-Y-M-I-T, mm-hmm. and it's it's made in China, but it's inflatable, and that Fucking thing packs up, like, the size of a beer can. Yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Th- thermorest makes some that are nice like that. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To be fair, my thermorest is 20 years old. Yeah, get get yourself a new thermorest. <laughs> and, like, I, I have one, and, like, it's, like, the R value on it's, like, fucking five or something like that. Oh, shit. It's it's a it's a nice, but it sounds like you're laying on tin foil. Yeah. It's, it's got it's got basically what you're saying uh, an emergency blanket inside of it, uh, so oh, it, nice. it re- 
reflects the heat really good. Yeah, but and you it, don't but have to worry about sound really sleeping. I mean, no, other I mean, than it's, it's me being comfortable with yeah, it, yeah, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I snore so fucking much. I was just gonna say, I, Jordan can make fun of my sleeping bag all he wants. I'm pretty sure the reason there was no deer around in the morning is because the way this motherfucker was snoring. <laughs> That's yeah. why you need that uh, meat shelf is to haul that CPAP machine. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta look into that. I gotta look into that. So, so you and you have some crazy light sleeping bag too, right, Jordan? No, well, okay. So I'm I'm the when I first started making money, um, finally in my apprenticeship, right? I, I got to the point where I was able to make some and afford some stuff. The first thing I bought was a Kafaru backpack, and then the next thing I bought was um, a feathered friend sleeping bag. And I ended up going with a zero degree. I, again, I was like, if I can only afford one, I'm gonna get the one that I want. Um, but the one that I wanted, or I, I ended up getting one, but uh, I changed it and sent it back and got another one. So I tested two of them, and I'm going to get the one that I sent back because it's badass. Um, I got the, uh, what is it, the Feathered Friends Flicker. What and is it, Goose Down or something? It's Goose Down. It's like 850 fill or 900 fill. It's it's yeah. a badass. It's really nice. Um, but it was called the flicker and it was one that was a, um, lightweight quilt, right? Okay, but it yeah. had a zipper on both sides. So then you could zip it all the way up like a sleeping bag and then you'd scrunch up the toe box and it had a little toe box and it was rad. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you can have them custom like fills and stuff. So yeah. if you want to, I think it goes to 20 degree, but if you wanted it to go to 10, they can put extra, um, down in it to make it support that right and you can get a normal length or a regular or tall and then you can get a normal or wide so just a little bit bigger and I ended up getting a wide one and long just because I was like I want as big as possible to be able to use and packing that down it was probably about half the size of my it was probably about it packed down in the size of a football I'd say like a, a you know normal NFL football um but I know that they do have some that'll pack down even tighter. Um, they're just not going to be as high rated. Um, okay. The the one I ended up with is a snow bunting from our snow snow bunting or snow bunny or some shit like that um, from Feathered Friends, and it's a zero degree sleeping bag. Um, they're expensive as all fuck though. All it's, right. it's yeah, it's like buying a Kafaro bag. It's like oh, seven hundred bucks. Oh goddamn. Yeah, it's it's but it's warm as shit. I've never been cold but oftentimes you end up being too warm you're opening the thing up but that's where that snow bunting or not the snow bunting but the flicker would be perfect there's another company called enlightened equipment that make a uh, a quilt that is the same thing it's zippered up so you can you can put that around you zipper it and it's got you know all the baffles in the right spots to keep you nice and warm and you uh, cinch the end down or you can use it as a blanket. So, like, if you were to do what we were doing and you wanted to glass, yeah, you'd pull out your sleeping pad or whatever, put that down under your butt, pull that out, and you're going to be pretty warm if you don't have all the other gear that you would want, you yeah. know, windbreaker. I, I will say the best $35 I spent before we went was that little, uh, that. it's like orange on one side, real tree on the other side. It's just a sitting pad. Yeah. And it has some sort of, like, weird insulation. Like, it literally starts to feel hot on your butt when you yeah. sit on it. I don't understand what's going on there, but it weigh uh, again. It, it's it's a little on the heavy side. It probably weighs like three pounds or something. But I I just clipped it onto the outside of my pack, and everywhere we stopped to yeah, glass I mean, we and watch, I just the car, so 
Yeah, I could it's sit not. on that thing, so I'm insulated from the ground. I have a little, again, and fuck, dude, I have no butt cheeks. I have, like, pelvic bone and <laughs> skin, and there's there's no padding back there. So having something to sit on over there on the, the rocky ground and, like, keeps you warm and whatnot, like, that, that it's was. It's a game changer. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it makes a great pillow at night. Yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. end up using my, uh, like, a puffy or a sweatshirt or whatever, and I just shove it into uh, my sleeping bag stuff sack. Uh, for, pillow. for a pillow, for uh, yeah. It's great. So I'm not bringing yeah. bringing extra weight. I just have yeah. what I want to wear, and I'll shove something in the in the stuff sack and right on. call it good. Right. Talking about sitting on that, that's the coldest I get hunting. Yes, like, you're sitting, uh, yeah, you're yeah, sitting on the sleeping. Can, I'm fine. I've got all my clothes. I've got my bag. I've got yeah. my extra quilt. I've got everything I need. But when you leave for the day. Maybe you hike out a little bit so you dress light, and then you put all your layers on to go sit in glass. When you're sitting on that cold rock or that cold ground, it pulls everything out of you. Like, it pulls all your heat, and immediately, that's when you want to stop hunting. Oh, it freezes you right to the bone fast. And that, you give up. You give up because of being uncomfortable. And to me... What hunting has become is trying to be the most comfortable while while trying to be the most lightweight. Yeah. Trying to bring everything that will make me happy without being unhappy from the weight of taking <laughs> it up. Uh, yeah, Try, if, you, you know? if, you had, if you had a yeah. house to sit in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was and you had a fucking yeah. oven Glass and deer you out your bedroom window. And you're yeah. just yeah. looking out the window. Yeah. In the Army, we used to say travel light, freeze at night. That was our yeah. that was our method for for doing dismounted patrols, like in the Hindu Kush, or if it was a training operation, Konus. We would say, you know what, fuck it, we're we'll gonna warm be... each other up. Exactly. Yeah, we'll spoon. Well, I've I have spent as many hours spooning with grown men as I have with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Travel light, freeze at night, baby. Yeah. Jake, yeah. Jake, there's, what no, kind of... there's no freezing at night. Jake's jaw dropped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jake, did, did Jake you, is not happy. Did you know right that now? I have spent as many nights spooning your jujitsu professor <laughs> as I have my wife? Probably. <laughs> He's like, I could have figured. <laughs> yeah, you guys seem tight. Yeah. <laughs> Real tight. Some, I uh, often, don't like to be uncomfortable. Have you yeah. ever been in a six-man spoon? I have not been in a uh, six-man you, spoon. You haven't lived. Not <laughs> if, if you've never been in a six-man spoon in uh-huh. South Korea, you haven't lived. Yeah, not a pair of underwear <laughs> between all six. Not, and not, <laughs> yeah, not a single pair of underwear. Yeah, skin to skin, boys. <laughs> all right, Jake, what do you carry in for a sleep system? Um, so like most things, like I was talking about my backpack, I like things to be modular. I don't like to buy a bunch of different sleeping bags and stuff. I want one system to kind of work for everything. So I have a 20-degree Kefaro slick bag. I like the synthetic instead of the down because even if it gets soaking wet, it keeps you warm. Mm-hmm. And I went with a 20-degree instead of the zero-degree because I've got one of their double-fill whoobies also. Oh, uh, yeah. So if it's down below 20, you want more... I add in, like, a little fleece liner, which weighs freaking nothing, you know, super thin. Um, actually, I usually have that in there anyway because I can't stand the feel of the, whatever this is, the rip stop against my skin. It makes me sweat. It's, it just, I don't like the feeling. So you're saying mm-hmm. you're in there naked? Sometimes. It, it okay. keeps you warmer. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, if, I think if, if, if you're sleeping in a sleeping bag. And oh, you're, no shit? Yeah, you strip I, down. I was just going to say, because I'm usually, I'm okay with a 20-degree bag because if it gets colder, I'll, I'll put on like a mid-weight base layer. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can, but I'm talking like if you put on your, like, just your fucking pants and everything, you crawl in your sleeping bag, you're going to get, oh, it's not yeah, you don't want your, like, jeans in there. No, no, yeah. you get, you get right. down to the skivvies and you're going to be solid. Mm-hmm. He's he's making eye contact with me when he's saying that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, yeah. I don't know how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so you've got a f- uh, twenty degree bag, double filled wooby that I'll wobby. jam in there. A uh, fleece liner that do I'll you, add in there as well. Do you carry a tent or a bivy bag? I've never done the bivy thing. Mm-hmm. I like to be comfy, so I got into the, I got on board with floorless shelters, uh, five years ago. You know, teepees. Mm-hmm. Talking like a tarp. Yeah. Oh, okay. Teepees, tarps. Do you just use a trekking pole, or does it come with a actual... So, my first one was like a four-man, and by four-man, they mean it's a one-man with gear. Yeah. You know? And it, yeah. And that one I would set up with just with trekking poles. Yeah. The one I use now, and it's it takes up a lot of real estate in the bag, but this is where I might be being a little dumb, but even for just me, I like the Kafaru Sawtooth. Yeah. It's a six-man tent, but... Man, there's nothing like when you're putting your pants on in the morning and you can stand, stand. up in your tent yeah. and put shit on. What does that weigh? Is it not, pretty light? Yeah. Oh, it's, wow. Because and there's it, no floor. It's a tarp. Oh, I got you. you know? okay, so it probably okay. weighs as much as... Okay. A couple uh, pounds, one, Yeah, it's two. a couple pounds. Yeah. I don't remember off the top That's of my head. That's more or less what I do. Yeah, I, okay. I'm showing a picture of uh, a mm-hmm. tarp set up, and it's it's a poor man's sawtooth. Okay. Yeah. So, and but that's, that's similar. At some to what point, we, yeah. that's what I want to go to. What we used to do, like an army poncho, we would we never wore it like a poncho with like the thing over your head, the hood. That we immediately tied the hood off, and it has the reinforced grommet rings at all four corners and in the middle. And so, if you pre-tie like a, uh, excuse me, like a six-foot piece of paracord into each one of those grommets, it's really easy, especially if you're in like wooded. Uh, area to just find you know you tie off the four corners and then we would have one piece of like long like 10 foot paracord tied around the hood what what was you know sort of strangling it off and you tie that up into a tree or into a bush or something to create sort of the peak of like your teepee and you don't necessarily like like you're saying you don't really need that ground cover what you need is something that keeps the condensation off of you so just having a tarp or a poncho or something to keep the condensation off of you while you sleep can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And then, like Mike's saying, if you throw your, uh, throw your space blanket over, that's a great tip. Throw a space blanket over the top of a tent. Space blanket a, weighs, I mean, what? Freaking nothing. As much as a couple quarters. Yeah. It's and and you can the, get it really what cheap. it can provide, whether you put it above you or below you, yeah. I mean, it reflects all your heat. Yeah. That yeah. should be the number you, you one can get thing some really in your cheap, like system. A two, you can get a, like a space blanket for like $7. And yeah. even, even if you wear a couple holes in it on a hunting trip, like, makes, it's just makes a nice one. I, I, I hate single use you. plastic sh- type shit, but the reality is for seven bucks, if it gets a couple holes in it, you just throw it away and get another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying. That soul company, um, SOL, they, they make a, uh, um, nice like emergency blanket. That's they, they have one that's actually like a bivy. Oh, but I actually refl- have that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's that's, like my emergency system. Yeah. Yeah. Thing and that, and that's okay. that's a nice nice setup. And you it's know? it's smaller than my fist. Yeah. It's half the size yeah. of my fist, and it's a full like sleeping bag that's reflective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I awesome. actually keep a uh, bivy uh, space blanket in my like my get home pack that's in my in my truck. Like my my everyday carry includes a. Space blanket bivy thing. Yep. Just in case you get tired between mm. Seattle and Miami. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a nap. I never know. <laughs> um, yeah. Have Have you, because uh, you said you got the sawtooth, and I'm interested in going that route, 
you know, when I finally get the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but have you gone and gotten a, um, a stove? Yeah. Yeah. How, what's so that, that was like? the other that, thing that, that I was going to say. Like so I said, nice. I like everything scalable. So this is like a four season setup for me. Mm-hmm. So my old tent, yes, I would set up a trekking pole. The sawtooth has a steel center pole. And it is a little heavy, but it's completely worth it because, I mean, they've tested it in insane conditions. And with that steel center pole, the tent will stay up. You yeah. know, I just have to believe their marketing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I carry that fucker. Um, I also have a liner. So there's a second layer of material, and that helps with the condensation. So yep. it's not dripping down on you. And then finally, yeah, I've got their Kafaru box stove. Was it all titanium? It's all titanium, yeah. and it all rolls up. It's in this little yep. thing. Man, it changes everything, because you've got a full-on wood fire inside your tent. Yeah, at and backpacking it, weight. At backpacking weight. It Holy weighs shit. not a lot. Dang. Um, I've got it out in the truck. I should set it up and show you guys. It's sweet. But it's that yeah, changed well, everything well, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once again, that just goes back to comfort. Yeah. Like you said, I'm. You said trying to bring your house with you. It's like, yeah, I'm. People don't survive where we try and go. That's you what, know, that's why I call it a beer shelf. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're yeah. trying to bring every amenity with you that helps you be better at the task you're trying to do. The more you don't have to think about hunger, comfort, warmth, that stuff. All your attention just gets put into hunting mm-hmm. and whatever your objective is. Yeah, war- warmth especially. When you start getting, like, that bone-chilling cold, like, your attention span just drops, and all you can think about is how to get warm again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, I, don't, I don't care. There, somewhere out there is some tough guy who's like, I don't give a shit. I sit out there and shiver. Like, no, motherfucker. If you've, I've been to the point where, like, my bones started to, like, it was seven degrees and my bones were, I could feel my bones aching. Yeah. And when you get to that point, or even when it's like 17 degrees, like it was over in Chelan last fall, like you, you, your, your ability to concentrate is diminished. Mm-hmm. Wim Hof is fun for two minutes in an <laughs> ice bath, <laughs> yeah. but you want to do that for four days, yeah. and it's, right. it's no. not going to work. Now, the uh, stove does have some limitations, though, that you got to kind of be on top of. Yeah. So... For instance, like two times I had it go pretty sideways on me. Oh, shit. One was like my first outing ever with it. And before I had a Kafaru stove, I bought a cheaper brand stove just to like see if I was actually going to be interested in this yeah. type of camping. So the first time I went out, and I think this was actually with my Kafaru, we went on the high buck hunt here in western Washington, which is, you know, in the Alpine, up high. Were so, you out of like Stevens Pass? Yeah, that kind of fish area. lake. Yeah, going that, out outside of there, mm-hmm, that yeah. kind of thing. But up yep. in up in the Alpine, you know, above the Tamaracks. Yeah, and you get up there and you set your cool sawtooth up and you set all your shit up and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna high bog hunt for three days. And you realize, wait, there's nothing to burn. Yeah, <laughs> at all. Yeah, for miles. Yeah, because burn. we're a we're above t- Timberline, and b down in Timberline is a rainforest. Yeah. So good luck. So yeah. it was completely worthless, and we got soaked, and we got frozen, and it was just a bad time. And it didn't even matter that we had a stove, and I almost left the thing there because I didn't want to carry it out because we were so miserable. <laughs> and then the other time where we actually used the stove, I almost killed me and my buddy Tease. So this other stove I have, I don't even remember the brand. It's got a baffle system inside of it, so if you can imagine the upper maybe 
quarter of the stove is not open to putting fuel into because you put fuel in the bottom side, you burn it, the smoke travels to the back, up, on top of the baffle, and then goes up the stovepipe. The idea is to keep the smoke in the cylinder longer to keep provide more it. heat. Yeah. And I think it had to do with the type of wood I had. It must not have been kiln dried or something. A lot of sap in it. And we were bow hunting elk the day after Thanksgiving. So it was colder than hell. It was negative five during the day, so I can only imagine what it was at night. So we were trying to burn this thing all night long to keep us warm. And at one point, around two in the morning, the stovepipe got so plugged <laughs> up with soot. It, when I finally took the thing apart and unrolled the stovepipe, it had what looked like a hockey puck that was six inches tall. No completely shit. packed the thing shut. So 2 a.m., smoke is pouring into our tent. Jesus. And we just had no idea what to do. You know, we're cold. You don't want to go outside, but it, at least it's warm in here, but you can't breathe. So we're just laying there with our <laughs> little faces poked out from underneath the tent to oh, sip shit. air so that our bodies could be in where the heat was. It, it was a nightmare. Um, after that, I bought a Kafaru one, and I didn't, I've never had that problem again. Um, but you need to make sure that you've, wherever you're going, you got something good wood, yeah. something to burn. Yeah. All right. All right. And, so. and you can you can run that even on burn bans, right? Who, who I would check that with your local authorities. Yeah. Fish and wildlife. Okay. It I does have two. Sure. You get far enough away from the road. I I got a feeling the uh, <laughs> most state employees aren't. Uh, yeah, but I mean just just the, the you know. Yeah, you either. don't want to start a forest fire out of just out of responsibility. Yeah. yeah. The Kafaru stove does have a spark arrestor and a redundant spark arrestor in it. Mm. And uh, I've tried to take those cool night photos of you burning the stove and you're trying to take a photo from outside and the sparks are blowing out the top. Mm-hmm. And you can't really get it to do that without pulling out the spark arresters. So uh, that's good. Good. They clearly it, work so quite works. well. But you do yeah. need to pull them out and clean them every once in a while. They get yeah. sooty. Okay. So you need to manage your stove if you're going to be using a stove. You can't just okay. now n- set it up. You and mean burn like it the, okay? So like in the middle of the camp, you're you're pulling it out like those days. It's not like oh, I'm just going to get back and I got to manage it when I get home. Yeah, once a day, pull your spark arresters out, clean them off, make sure your stovepipes being good. Make sure you're not getting weird hot spots. Make sure you're Hockey cleaning the puck six inches thick. Yeah. <laughs> and on that stove that got the hockey puck in it, I believe the. Stovepipe diameter was pretty small. It's like two and a half inches, oh, where wow. the Kafaru oh, is in the small. three and a half, four inch neighborhood. I don't yeah. remember off the top of my head. The Kafaru one's been great. Yeah. Like it, I've had no problems with it. Really. Did it come with a uh, patch or like a like a a spot for the chimney pipe for to come the out tent? Of? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's what? a spot cut into the tent where the stovepipe goes up, and it's got like a twelve by twelve fireproof little thing on it where the stove jack goes out. Yeah, just you, weren't, you weren't cutting into your own shit trying to no. pick that up. No. All right. Well, I feel like we've covered shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, food. Mike, are you, are you, you, I think you said before you're just straight up dehydrated meals. Uh, yeah. So the biggest thing I like is coffee. Gotta have coffee. Gotta have coffee. Coffee, oh, yeah. hot yeah. chocolate, stuff like that. Um, so I'll, I'll, I might even parlay this into food and water. 
So everyone's hunts a little different. Uh, so when I pack this bag, I kind of think of what I do for backpacking for mule deer. And uh, um, usually it's a three or four day hunt on the backpack. And I always try and make sure I go somewhere with a water source. So um, for me, the biggest thing is I have to have somewhere adequate that has a stream, that has a brook, that has running water, not static water supply, somewhere with um, water coming out of the ground. And so in my bag, I have like a four-gallon bladder, right? And then that bladder will uh, tie into, I forget what it's called, small micron. Four-gallon or four-liter? Four-gallon. Oh, jeez. Holy shit. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly, though. So do you want to go to your water source all the time? Is that like that MSR? Um, thinking of a drum light? Yeah. I have one of those. It's two liters, though. Yeah. I, I thought there was, like, those big bags set up for just getting a bunch of water. Yeah. That you can. Oh, I see. It's like a big bag that you hang on a tree, and then it yep. drains so, down through a filter. Yes. Yeah, so yep. I get a huge four-gallon bag, fill it all the way up with water, then it screws in a filter to it, and then I normally take an algene bottle and then a couple uh, bladder-type uh, bottles. Not bottles, mm-hmm. but little bags. And so um, I want to make sure I always have water on me because so much time just sitting, glassing, you get bored, you want to go do something else, you want to go look somewhere, you want to drink something. So... Always have coffee, something hot to sip on. And then, I mean, if we're backpacking, it's Mountain House and snacks. And for me, snacks are... Mountain House is dehydrated meals, right? Yeah. For people listening who don't know what you're saying. Yes. Dehydrated meals. um, And there's other ones. There's... Was it Plaid Pantry? Heather's Choice. Heather's Choice. Yeah, there's a bunch of refuel. Yeah, Yeah, there's a whole bunch. Top Ramen. And the best thing to do, yeah, exactly. The best thing to do is find, get a couple, find what you like, because there's only a few things that I like. I mean, I'm eating beef stroganoff, (laughs) spaghetti. I mean, just the classics. You get weird stuff where they're like. it's fucking, fucking thai, chili, butternut this. squash, yeah. Yeah. It's fried rice from <laughs> Wuhan, <laughs> which is yeah. Where you can buy out of where? What, who makes Peak fuel. It's actually pretty good. But. <laughs> <laughs> is is uh, Peak is Chad Mendez's one, right? I think the so. UFC yeah, guy. Yeah. And then I really they, like those. They They're even have good. the ones that auto heat, where you just what? add water, like and an, then they start it's steaming got, it's up. Got a little, little yeah, that, that's yeah. borderline scary. Like, what fucking chemical is in there that? <laughs> causing that reaction. Like in the bag? No, or you mean like, no, a, you can't like an later, MRE not, not where you no. have the pouch huh. of food and the heater and you put them together? No. What? It's like a dehydrated meal that has a little bit of water in it already, so they are heavier, but then you add water That's into not water. the bag. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's nuclear yeah. fuel. <laughs> yeah. You add water into the bag and it some thermal reaction. There's no fucking way I'm eating that. <sighs> Some I'm kind of with you. That sounds dicey. They're yeah. pretty good. Some of them. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, tastes I've like burning. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, mainly, like I said, like to go light. So water source, and then having what I need to uh, coffee, 
uh, even teas, uh, hot chocolate. I mean, I just want to be comfortable. Dehydrated food, and then you do a coffee and uh, was that Swiss mix? Swiss, Swiss mix, mess, man. Yeah. yeah, that's a mountain mocha. Mountain yeah. mocha, yeah, yeah. mountain yeah. mocha is like what it, you do. Yeah. Yeah. You had a little whiskey in there, and that's a hell of a uh, <laughs> yeah. little bougie drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, um, how are you eating that stuff up? The mountain house. Yeah. I just have a little burner. Like a jet yeah. boil or something? Yep, yeah, okay. yep. Jet boil's too heavy. I have, so if I brought my burner out, I have one that um, has all the feet that forks out, and then it ties into my fuel canister. Mm, okay. Like, I don't like the kind of burners that it's the fuel canister, and then you screw on the uh, igniter, the flame part, on top of it because when you're out in the backcountry, you ever seen a flat table out there? It doesn't exist. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything's rocky. Everything's at an angle. So if I'm gonna put a couple cups of water on something, most of the time it's kind of falling over, and most of those little ones don't put out the heat. Where we go deer hunting, I mean, we're at about eight thousand feet. And so the wind's always whipping. It's never a good area to just boil water. So I have a little bit bigger one that's its own tripod, and you can flame everything up. I don't want to wait five minutes for coffee. Mm-hmm. I want my instant coffee <laughs> instantly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so, all the way out here fucking. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, mountain houses, drinks are important, and then – I mean, we all kind of seem to be into health and fitness, but when I'm out in the woods, man, it's fucking that's, candy. That's why we've got all these empty beer cans scattered yeah, around yeah, us right yeah. now. <laughs> well, that's health. Um, it's electrolytes. Yeah, it's it's candy. It's fucking, yeah. I mean, I got my mountain mocha, and yeah. I'm dipping, yeah. you know, moon pies <laughs> in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I want stuff just to munch on all the time. Yeah. So I load up. Well, when you're cold and walking, you're like you're burning calories like fucking crazy. Not even cold and walking. How about cold and sitting? Yeah. The amount of calories yeah. I think you burn just, just sitting warm. there. Just to stay I, warm. I've ne- Eating all that shit. I have never gone hunting and gained weight. No. And I gain weight at home trying to eat well. <laughs> I'll do spinach salads, and it's like, fuck, I gained three pounds. I'll eat a bunch of little Debbies, and it's like, I'm down 10, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I just want comfort stuff with me. So the more just quick food, drink, high caloric, high sugar, just keep me going, 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 because that's what it is. It's three days of just pushing. It's four days of just pushing. And I don't care what I'm putting in me. I just care about how I'm performing on it. Yeah. So I usually like calorically dense stuff, stuff that hits my palate, stuff that's sugary, stuff that rushes me. And that's kind of just how I travel. Yeah, I mean, mm. there's no diet when you're hunting. Yeah. 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 Jordan, what are you packing? I have multiple candy bars in my pack at any given yeah. time. Um same thing, mountain house, um, mountain house, or any. I, when I say that, I just, you know, mountain house is like frisbee, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. you know, freeze dried, freeze dried meals. Um, I'll do that, and then um, I, I, the burner I use is uh, that MSR Whisper Light, or no, not 
it's a stove, you know, and it has a built-in water, you know, canister on it, so you can you just pour it into that. I like those a lot. They're a little bit bulkier and heavier, but it just to me it the the ease of it yeah. makes sense. Um, I've never I've never actually had any issue with um, elevation with those. I've heard that some people like it, whether it be too cold or the elevation's messed up. There were some of those will get. I've had the elevation just increase boiling time a little bit, uh-huh. but I've never had it make my stove not work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've, 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 maybe I've experienced that. I haven't really paid attention to the boiling time, but, uh, yeah, I've heard like some people, they'll have to switch to like the actual old stove style with the, the separate canister you can put, mm-hmm. you know, whatever white fuel or whatever in, um, and they'll pump those and change the jets out to work for higher elevations. Right. Um, but, but to do one of those, you you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you've never played with a stove or a jet, like if you're unclear on what a jet boil is, white gas is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're going to blow yourself up. Yeah, and well, and they, they have, um, I actually, I picked one of those up the other day. It was just such a good deal. I couldn't pass it, um, you know. Um, shout out Coastal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was 30 bucks. Coastal it, Farm and Ranch? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're normally like I think a hundred and something, and it was like thirty bucks. Are you serious? Yeah, I was like, sweet. Dang. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so as far as like heating food up and heating water up and coffee, I'm f- drinking coffee like nobody's business because of those, you know, the Starbucks Vias or the Black Rifle, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. Black Rifle ones. I'll get on those too. It does. It doesn't really matter to me, but the Swiss mix thing is gonna change the game. Genius. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to get on that. I'm going to start doing that. I used to, I think it was Dark Timber Coffee. I can't remember if they're out of Washington or Northern Oregon. They used to make like a mountain mocha mm-hmm. and it was pretty much instant coffee with, with Swiss mix in it. But yeah. oh, I did. I love those, man. And I think they quit making them. So yeah, I'm going to start doing what Mike's doing. Well, it's also like um, when you're roughing it. I mean, you get an appreciation for everything. When you come down from like oh, a three-day or four-day hunt and you take a warm shower, it's nice. It's more than nice. It's, it's transformative. You, you have more of an appreciation life. for that amenity. So to be in the mix or in the woods or just somewhere where that stuff doesn't happen and you get coffee and chocolate together... I mean, it Heaven. changes your whole Heaven. view yeah. on the day. Yeah. Oh, dude, in ranger school, when we were starving, we would save our, uh, like, if you got cocoa powder and one MRE, you'd, okay, shit. You, you knew there was, <laughs> there was a good chance that you'd get coffee in the next one. You'd be like, okay, I'm going to save this so that when I get coffee in the next one tomorrow, I can mix it with some water and make, like, this little mocha paste, and then I'll eat, like, and yeah. then and then you'd get home from ranger school and be like, remember how good it was to mix the the cocoa powder and the coffee together? And so you would grab two MREs and mix it up, and ta- you'd be like, oh, this tastes disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you, when, yeah, yeah. when you're freezing cold and starving, it is so delicious. And yeah. like, yeah, I, I think that's part of what's being lost as humans become like lazier and more sedate sedative. Is that the right sedative? Sedative, sedative, sedative. sedated. You know what I mean? Like everybody's constantly looking for more comfort. And really what you should be looking for is more discomfort because then every little like touch of every little touch of comfort that comes your way when you're uncomfortable, you're so grateful for. Oh, yeah. Like a packet of Swiss miss and a via. Like there's people at home listening that'll be like 
You're, hang on, you're gonna mix a Via coffee and a packet of Swiss mix, yeah. and you're happy about it? Like, shut the fuck up! Like, yeah. no, you don't get it. When when you're out in the mountains and you're freezing your ass off, and you haven't eaten in twelve hours, and you mix that up with some hot water, you're like, this is just having hot water. This, this is living, exactly. baby. This is living. You know, yeah. Yeah. It, it it lifts your spirits. Yes. You know, it, it pushes you. You know, having having just a little bit of a ooh, this is warm. This yeah. is something different. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yep. Um. So what are you carrying for food, Jake? Um, pretty similar to everybody. Um, so dehydrated. I like rations? dehydrated foods. Okay. Um, my dad really likes MREs. Yeah. Um, mostly for like truck hunting and stuff because they're kind of heavy to carry. Too. They're a little I, bit heavier, right? Yeah. Like an MRE weighs about they're, a couple. They're, they're a pound not. And they're and not dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah, they're not dehydrated. There's a lot more in it. There's a lot more calories to one. Like they'll really fill you up. It's like but fucking Christmas opening it, those it's, yeah. it's, like, it's 2,500. Yeah. I've been done dirty one too many times by goddamn MREs, and I'm done with it. Uh-huh. Like, small anecdote. I can remember one day me and my dad are sitting up on a stand elk hunting, and we're up real high, probably 11,000 feet, looking over a big gully, and a s- snowstorm blows in. So it's kind of halfway to whiteout conditions, winds howling just frigid in the middle of the afternoon. We're like, all right, let's make lunch. So we grab a couple of MREs because, hey, we can warm these up. It's going to be great. And I pop open my MRE. I'm freezing to death. And it's like. You get the five fingers of death. Tuna. The fucking hot dogs. And are. flatbread. Yeah. And. <laughs> and like, what the And fuck? like a pound cake. Yeah. Nothing warm at all. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Son of a bitch. And then I've had multiple of Did them. Did you have the actual heaps. official MREs or was this some like knockoff? No, they, were, they were official okay. MREs through it. Unnamed source. Okay, because <laughs> the tuna casserole one was one of my favorites. Yeah, is that but, the one that was on it, the flatbread? No, the, well, it, it probably came with flatbread and peanut butter, but mm. it, it was you heated it up and it was in the package and, and it was a legit tuna casserole inside the you know the astronaut package mm. that you would heat up. So it wasn't like just like tuna fish sandwich type spread where you put it cold on onto yeah. a piece of bread. Mine was like that. Maybe uh, this was a knockoff MRE. It must have been. Because yeah. we have a bit of a mixture up at our cabin of like the knockoff ones you buy on Amazon and then some okay. that have been, we joke about, we stole them from the seals. You know, yeah. They're like yeah, legit. Yeah. <laughs> but do, do they sell legit ones on Amazon? I think you can. Yeah. Get, yeah. Legit MREs are available. I don't know if they're on Amazon. Go but pick them up. They're yeah, like box A and box B. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Here's, here's the problem, though. You're going to get the mummy dick and the five fingers of death. And there's for every MRE that's actually kind of good. There's there's at least one that's pretty goddamn awful. <laughs> Here's something: Have you guys looked at MREs from other countries? I'm a dork. Um, <laughs> so like you'll get them. Like if you look at them from uh, like South Korea and stuff, they have MREs kimchi that are freeze-dried yeah joy. kimchi and like oysters oh, that oh, are shit. fermented and stuff. Oh, it's like, like legit food. It's pretty good, man. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you kind of go down that rabbit hole, you can go on eBay and stuff. It, but look up MREs from other countries, like Russia. Yeah. One of them comes with it's a caviar. Fucking yeah, yeah. Black shit. truffle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Black roughing it out here. Yeah. Pickled herrings. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Oh, I, I will do that, though. I like that. That fishy pickled shit, like oh, you, you like, like the sardine can, the oh, can sardines. Oh, I'll do. Yes, yeah, sardines. sardines with, and like then a, oh, the so mustard. if you oh. pack a ramen with you, right? Never done so that. I don't sardines do, I and fuck ramen. ramen, dude. Oh, I'm you, not down with ramen. You're not. Ra- <sighs> I'm not a ramen guy. If you oh. take, if you eat your sardines and then you pour 
that juice into whatever water you're boiling your ramen with. Oh, I, it's I, the I, best I can, thing I in the imagine, world. I can imagine that'd be. It's not bad. It's like mountain pho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The best meal I've ever eaten in my entire life, swear to God, was this year moose hunting in northern BC. And so you drive all the way up there to the end of the dirt road, get to the guide's cabin, and then you get on a float plane and you fly however many miles further north to a remote lake, get dumped off, and it's just you and a guide in the tent for five days. And after five days of rowing an inflatable dinghy around this lake looking for moose, and you're just exhausted, kind of like we've been talking about why Swiss mix and coffee could possibly be good. And you get back, and the dinner that the guide made was just moose meat on a stick over the fire and ramen noodles. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. It was the <laughs> it, best it thing I've ever... good here in civilization. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd order that at a restaurant. Right. It was so good. My yeah. God. I'll tell you... How, you, guys I, are all, you guys are all young bucks compared to me. I'll tell you the one nice thing about being in your 40s is I don't eat that much anymore. So, like, one meal a day is perfectly fine for me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, like, me trying to, like, go on a fasting diet or trying to do something extreme that's just all i need yeah so i'll be a little bit bougie and i'll bring like i'll bring some granola bars and stuff to snack on but then i'll also like pack some steaks and i've got yeah, like a fucking yeah i've <laughs> got like an msr stove and i'll bring some eggs too Hell so yeah. I'll, I'll be doing steak and eggs because i only need to eat once a day a little bit of snacking here and there constantly like i'm always boiling like Jordan we're not going back. We're not going back country. This is back. Yeah, country that's truck. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is no, this no, no. Is, but if I'm if I'm loading my pack for three days, I'll throw three steaks in there, and I'll I've got a little uh, this little hard plastic thing that holds six eggs. So there's two eggs a day, yep. and uh, I track yeah. down grouse. And I rob their nests. <laughs> that's oh, a great I got a good that's a great idea. Tip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As made uh, famous for anybody who doesn't know, because they're pretty famous at this point. But uh, as made famous on Rockslide, the the hunting forum, yeah, butthole sandwiches, yeah, you guys oh, heard of yeah. this? Oh yeah, peanut Take butter, a, everything bagel, cut it in half, slather both halves with peanut butter, cook up a bunch of bacon, put a bunch of bacon on both halves, drizzle oh. it in honey, smush them together, run that thing through your vacuum sealer. Yeah. And it gets all Killer. compressed and sucks the air out of the bagel, so it's like chewy and candy bar-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's super man. high Holy calorie shit. and pretty yeah. lightweight. Oh, Fucking man, yeah. those are special. All right, done, yeah. done deal. Yeah, all right, done yeah. deal. I got like five of them in my freezer right now. Do They're really? my favorite. Nice. I always all bring right. those. I got one in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Tobin Tobin pulled out some all the stops when we went. And but, but like Jordan said, we weren't backcountry hunting. We were, we were swinging back by the truck every day at noon. Yeah, but even if you're backcountry hunting, I mean, if you can bring a steak for that first night, so oh, you yeah. make that huge trek, yeah. it's just nice to uh, have I'll a throw, little extra. I would in absolutely you. throw three steaks in my backpack if I'm going for three nights. The, the best meal I've had on a hunting trip, I got back. I, uh, I, was, on, I was on an elk trip. And we'd been busting ass all day, and my hunting partner ended up taking off, and he wanted to go hunt somewhere else. And um, that's a whole different story there. Sure. He ended up taking off. Um, and I ran into these other guys, and they were like, hey, why don't you come down to our camp? You know, And I, up to that point, I had thought, like, you know, if you were hunting and just doing any kind of hunting, you, the more you rough it, the more you're hunting. And I had yeah. this twisted idea. 
of like you can't be comfortable at all because if you're comfortable at all you're not really hunting and da da da. da. And I ran into these guys, and they were like, well, what? And they kill way more shit than I kill. So it's like, okay, obviously these guys have got it down. Um, I come back to their camp, and they had uh, – because the way they would set up is, like, they'd every morning they'd go up, get to a gate where you can't drive, and they'd go off and they'd hunt. And then towards the end of the day, dark comes, they'd get out and do it again the next day kind of thing. But they had trailers and this and that, and um, – <clears throat> one of the guys uh, cooked up grouse that they had been getting all day. The best. And, oh, fuck. He just put a little bit of seasoning on it. It was like some sort of a lime or lemon kind of mm. seasoning with that. And just he had a plate full. Because everybody had, <laughs> everybody had grouse, right? And he yeah. just took them and started making them up. And, oh, my God. It was it was phenomenal. But then they good. had, you know, they had elk burgers and all this other shit. And he was like, like you got to remember, this is vacation. Yeah, yeah. You're taking two weeks off to go hunt, it's that's great. But we got to have fun when we're out here. If you're, yeah. if you're not, mm-hmm. you know. So they they made that you know part of their trip was being somewhat comfortable back at camp. Totally. And, you know, if you're not if you're not way back there with a sawtooth trying to make it happen, and you don't have that ability, or you know don't want to do that, mm-hmm. you know. There's your option. You know what's interesting is like uh, you say like uh, you think about hunting and you you're like Cameron Haynes or David Goggins like I gotta be hard, stay hard. If you want to hunt, you need to be the toughest motherfucker. And it, I mean, in certain ways, it is true. But a lot of people I know that are very successful in hunting aren't the hardest people. It. I feel like it's more of that. Was it work smart, not hard? Yeah, kind of thing. Totally. You know, like it's people that over the years they've mapped out how to be comfortable and how to be efficient, and it's not necessarily hitting the grindstone twenty four seven. Which I mean, if you're in a new area or something, yeah, you really need to figure out where you are and scout it and see how animals are working. But it's a lot of people that have done it over the years and they've honed it. It's not like oh, on my 20th year, I have to work as hard as my first year. It's people that have done it over the time, and they've kind of gotten a rhythm. Like you said, you went to a camp, and people are like, dude, elk stink, grouse smorgasbord. Oh, it was, it was ridiculous. You know? Was, but yeah, they're beautiful. successful hunters. Yeah. They're not out there with a fucking uh, a little jet boil stove in their mountain house there they brought firewood to burn just to have a fire yeah yeah these guys these guys were about it dude some people say the whole you know hungry hunters hunt harder yeah 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 yeah. i don't buy that at all i i can't tell you how many times i've watched like hardcore tough dudes who are just pounding the mountains hike straight the fuck past elk yeah. <laughs> and I have no idea that they were even there. Yeah. Because they're just going hard for the sake of going hard. So if I had any advice for like new hunters, it would be stay still. Like let the move let the woods move around you. Yeah. yeah. So my dad again, he's my main hunting partner. I don't know anybody who's killed more elk than him. He's his metric is actually he's legitimately never gone two years in a row without killing. Holy shit. A bull. Wow. 
And his main thing is he's a stand hunter. So we get up to the stand before the sun even comes up. We sit still. We watch the, this whatever goalie we picked for that morning, and we don't move until 10 in the morning or so. And it works. And as we're sitting there, trucks are driving by. They stop at the top. They glass in. They keep going. Dude's hiking up the thing. He's just hiking the ridge, and then he's out of the valley and into the next one. Everybody's just glancing in to see if there's a herd there right now, and if there's not, keep going, cover ground. I can't tell you how many times we've been sitting there, and then you hear a truck come, and you go, oh, God damn it, there's a truck. And the truck comes up, stops right behind you, glasses over your head for five minutes, keeps driving, and then 30 minutes later, a whole herd comes walking yeah. into that basin. Well, that's, that's a still. great point because they move faster than you do. So if you're mm -hmm. trying to cover, you're so better fast. off sitting there waiting for them to cover ground yeah. than trying to cover the ground yourself. It just get, and a lot of the time, bulls will come in quiet. You know, so if you're sitting there calling, you're not getting answers. There might be something coming in on a string and you don't even know it. Yeah. And if you're just trying to cover ground, you'll never see them. But there's been a lot of times where I've been sitting there and then all of a sudden you turn around and there's a bull standing 10 feet feet behind you looking down at you going, what is that thing making the same noise I do? That'd be so intimidating. It's it's the coolest feeling in the woods, yeah. without question. Yeah. Having a bull walk up or just scream. Yeah. Oh, boy. Shit. But, yeah, so you get being tough, yes, it's very important. Being in shape, yes, very important. But it's not everything. It's not the only thing. Like, you all patience is more important than how many push-ups you can do, you know? Yeah. Right Here's on. something I want to run by you. Okay. Okay. So I always feel like uh, when we have a hunting trip, everyone's so excited to go, right? And you go there, and the first night, everyone, you get a big fire, you get a big bunch of food. You have that first initiation. Then, like, everyone goes and does their own thing the first day of hunting. Oh, I'm going to go by this water source. Oh, I'm going to go up by this meadow. Everyone does their own thing. But I feel like no one's in kind of the same harmony. Like, I feel like it truly takes three or four days to kind of feel the pace of the woods. Like, you yeah. have to wait for everything to slow down. You might be gung-ho to be out there, but once you're out there for long enough, you start to really pick up and just move at the pace of the woods. And I feel it's hard being successful in the very beginning, whereas after your first couple days, you're like, oh, I heard something over there, and then I heard something over here. But by day five, day six, you're like, there's a chip 20 yards, or chipmunk 20 yards to the left. There's a bird nesting right over there. Like, I feel like your senses really become in tune. And that's something I really yeah. enjoy about hunting is you really start to just move at the speed of the woods. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it's one of the things I love about hunting. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. I think you it's you go out and you're moving at city life. Yeah. Pace. Move, move, move. Go, go, go. Instagram. They all. Then when you're in the woods, you slowly switch. The RPMs come down and you're going at the pace of the mountains. Yeah. And you slow down and you're way more aware of everything. Yeah. You're more immersed in it and you're not worrying about your phone and. Yeah. yeah. Or if you spend a long time out there and then you drive home 
Oh, have you ever been like? It's such a oh, bummer. Yeah, but it's also like you're going 35 miles per hour, and you <laughs> spent the past week walking, and you're like, we're out of control. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna die of a high speed wreck. But you get adjusted to that speed of the woods, and it's like, uh, bro, they they we call it in in a tactical patrol, like in a military patrol, they call it seal. Stop, look, listen, smell. And every couple minutes, like as soon as you hit the wood, like as soon as you're inserted whether it's by vehicle or uh, aircraft or whether, however you get there, every couple of minutes you stop, look, listen, smell. And the idea is to get the feel of the environment around you and to start melding into that environment. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time to get there too. Yeah. When you, when you get there. I, I stepped away to go to the bathroom. I don't know if that's what you just said. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you oh, got no, it. You're Jordan, we, we were talking about Mike's first experience with another man. <laughs> yeah. So, so you like stop, said, you stop, stop listen, smell. Stop, look, <laughs> listen, and smell. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a little bit of time to get there. Yeah, exactly. Again, <laughs> Jake's just like, you fucking sick bastards. Yes. So, Jake, you want to go backcountry hunting with us? Uh, yeah. Show do we us have the to, way. Do we have to spoon underwearless? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way. Yeah. You know, talking about that stuff, it always makes me wonder like, you listen to trappers and like people that, settled America. I mean, you had the French and stuff, but then you had people on like trapping, um, like commitments, like jobs. I'm a fur trapper in the great lakes and stuff like that. And to have, okay, it's fun for us to go out there for a week. Right. And then you're like, Oh man, I feel so tuned in with the woods. My skills are out of control right now. I hear a chipmunk from a mile away. But what do you think that does when you're out there for a month? Oh, when you're out there for, for two years. months? Well, like, I, I, bro, yeah. I, I fantasize like these, uh, imagine like these early American fur trappers who were like, they spent their life out in the woods. Like imagine like your, your clothing is made out of deer skin, like your moccasins, your leggings, your shirt is, is deer skin. And you're just so in tune with the woods that you just move through it like a ghost. Yeah, like that. It's, ah, I wish I could. You like think that, yeah. those guys? If yeah. You think that those guys had a fucking uh, a house and a fucking PlayStation? No, they, they probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'd be done. <laughs> the type of guy that you're you're talking about, you you hear about him around town, right? Mm-hmm. The crazy old guy who lives in the world. Oh, they and they're, they're always just, crazy. They're always weird. I they're always they're a crazy. little yeah. awkward. You know, they're not not good social skills. Well, maybe they're not crazy and weird. They just. They're moving at the tune. Of, they live the in a different reality than yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah, and then they come into the civilized world, and everything's going it a zillion miles out. an hour, yeah. and it doesn't make any sense. And yeah. yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. Hundred percent. Yeah. Have you ever been to New York? No, no. I have no desire to go to New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. cities I mean, stress me out. It's a it's a fun. I, I love a lot of my family's from the East Coast. East Coast, but like it is just a different pace. It's a different vibration everything's happening so much quicker mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder like i mean come on we're all hairless apes you know we kind of did come from the woods jordan's not i was just gonna <laughs> say <laughs> full full hair his beard connects to his back <laughs> but like uh you have that ability to do both to go from Ultra high pace. I have a job. I'm running a business. I need to communicate with this person. I need to get materials ordered. I need to contract that job out and plan for this and that. 
But then you also have the ability to decompress in a way that is very profound. Like you have an ability to cue into something that's not normally obtained in like a nuclear homogenized society. I, I think there's something to like looking, like just your visual ability to look a far distance that you don't get in day-to-day life. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we typically spend our our time in rooms oh, in right. inside houses. Yeah. And, I mean, we're, we're sitting in a map room right now at, at our uh, Electric North Jiu-Jitsu gym, and we have, you know, 25 foot to the far wall. And this is a big room. Yeah. But most of the time people spend their days in rooms that are, you know, 10 to 12 foot oh, wide. Well. And, you know, so I think when, you, when you're able to look out and just see a long ways, that does something to you. Yeah. Dude, dude so, so I've, mm, I've had, like, some success at work and been promoted to where it's actually, like, chained me to a desk. And I spend my day at, like, this little desktop thing with computer screens. And I fucking, I hate it. I hate it. Um, and it, it's, right now, it's worth it because we're, we're a family of four on a single income. So it's totally worth the pay bump for me. But I literally, I can't wait to get to this. Like, I keep thinking, like, all right, when the kids get a little older, maybe Jen will go back to work. Or somehow we'll, we'll do something where I can afford to... I shouldn't say afford to because we haven't had lifestyle creep where we spend more money just because we make more. We have the same lifestyle, but it's nice to have that extra income that we're putting away or whatever. Um, but it's some, I can't wait to like just jettison it and go back to the field where I just work with tools and move around because that, that sedentary eight hours of sitting in a chair looking at a computer screen, it's fucking awful. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I I agree. I think there's there's something that's unnatural about it. No, it's um, oh, and not, not it, well, I mean, just all the things. Yeah, all I mean, think think about, about think it. about all the. It costs more money to have a house with a view. Yeah, it yeah. Co- You know, people go on hikes. Why? Because they want to get see. to the top of a mountain and look far. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Like there's some there's something yeah. to being yeah. able to visually see a distance. I think it's calming for people. Or it, there's just something about it that it does a lot for yeah. somebody. Just so and my my wife is like she's a mountaineer. And she has all these amazing pictures from like the peaks of the Cascades, where you can just see and like it's like, yeah. oh my god, let me let me look at your photos, because her photos are amazing, where you can see across the top of the mountains mm-hmm. for like miles and miles and miles. And people, yeah, you're right. And there everybody's always like, there. yeah, yeah, but those pictures never do it justice. Exactly. Right? Why? Exactly. Because you're looking at a photo. It touches three you foot away. It, you know, it touches I've, you spiritual. There, there's something about it. There's yeah. something that uh, you know. It just kind of put people. People always feel that when they're hiking up on a mountain or looking at the ocean yeah. or there's 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 something to that i don't know exactly what it is but there's something to it and i think there's something when you go we're, out in the we're woods wild just we're wild beings we're yeah. wild creatures that are meant to be out in yeah. the wild yeah we need to see more than 15 foot away from us yeah. and there are people that just live their whole life in yeah. cities where you can't see but mm-hmm. you know yeah. another episode we're gonna have to go sit down by the river with a generator and eat some mushrooms and just get fucking <laughs> get fucking earth get like, into it i've <laughs> never done drugs so <laughs> you guys are on your own there's, there's i think that's interesting though like like you guys are saying i do think visuals are one part of it like i kind of wonder if like cavemen were ever like 
was it farsighted where you can't see up close? Oh yeah. You know? I, I dis I don't even think cavemen's a thing. Think about this, bro. Like we're in, we're supposed to believe that for four hundred like think about every man you know. Every man I know or good man I know is trying to improve his situation in life. So we're supposed to believe that for like a couple hundred thousand years, humans just like squatted in caves and we're like They they have yeah, the same let's, All right, we'll do this tomorrow again. Sound good? Like no, fuck no. There, there is no chance in hell that people spent millennia just doing nothing, like subsisting, because that's not how humans roll. But you if, mean on a linear trajectory that they sat in those caves yeah. for a couple yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. years? And, and then if we're to believe yeah. like the movie trope of the caveman where he's like this bumbling idiot, like think of what it would take to survive in that. You'd have to be a super athlete and a super genius all in one. So yeah. you wouldn't be a bumbling idiot. Mm -hmm. You'd be a super athlete who's keen as fuck in your mind, which leads to they, they knew in, what was invention and uh, tools and uh, innovation. Well, it so leads I, to I, tools and innovation once you suddenly do not have to spend every waking hour of your day focusing purely on how am I going to get food I th right I th now. I think modern humans with our brain – go in like two generations to an abundance. Like look at what Tyler's doing with his farm out there. In in one year, he has more stuff growing than he knows what to do with. Yeah. In one year. Yeah. So I, I reject the whole caveman idea that, that for Yeah, but that's not trial and error. Like he has books and resources that's true. to look at yeah, it you're upon. Right. You're right. Yeah. So like if you're thinking true cave, but this but still, is where it goes still, to in your one year. So so maybe think. Uh, that's why I say like a generation or two of yeah. trial and error, and then you know. And I'm getting way into the weeds here, but if if you guys want to really like for you guys listening at home, like check out uh, Randall Carlson's podcasts on Jr. on Joe Rogan. Uh, him and Graham Hancock and uh, some of the earth, like we're getting way off topic here, so I'll, I'll probably shut up. But uh, no, maybe we'll save good. this for another time. But all right, all right, hang on. Let's let's bring it back in. Let's bring it back in, Mike. <laughs> so we we covered shelter. And you food. just got me all excited. I know, I know, I, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah. Wait, like, wait, wait. But I'm I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, shit, I got to make it to a kids' soccer game. This could be a whole nother episode. Um, we did what shelter. You, we did food. We did shelter and food. What are you guys doing for water? Because you mentioned, Mike, where you plan your hikes or your hunts around I have a water, water source. source. Yeah. So where Jordan and I went high mountains above Chelan last year, there's no water source. So we were, we we were doing it in a way that we swung. We we came back to the truck every day at like midday, um, and we had a couple of gallons of water there. But what are you guys doing if you don't like? Let's say you're in high country. And you're not going to be swinging, but you're going to, you got to go three days in the high country. Are you packing all your water? Can I bring a filter? Can I what, jump in plan? real quick yeah, to totally. let go. you guys go, go? I will say this. I mean, you got grazing animals. They're eating vegetation that's got water and stuff in it. But for the most part, if you're in an area that doesn't have water, you're not going to see a lot of animals. Yeah. What you're going to want is to find where the water sources is. Because it's there somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. They have to hydrate. So for me, that's why I always plan my hunts around areas that have water yeah. sources. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't carry about packing. I'll bring what I can, I think I'll need to, to get, get to, to where, where I want to go. But then I can fill up after that. So that's my whole idea. On to you guys. No, I, I agree. I think that's kind of a, a smart choice. Um, 
I, I don't think it's dumb to have water at the truck or wherever. I mean, you're, you're going to need it at some point. So yeah. there's never been a time I've been like, oh, let's go without picking up a gallon of water or something like that just to have. Um, whether whether that means I'm going on a hike for the day or going hunting or whatever I'm doing in the woods. It's like, hey, if I'm going to have water here, I want fucking water. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to have to find a creek. I mean, we're we're in western Washington or like, you know, the, the northwest in general. There's water. Is, there's water everywhere. Yeah. So we really don't think about it too much. Although if you go mm-hmm. east of the mountains, it, it's a high desert. Right. So yeah. it, there's yeah. actually water. over by but Chelan and Wenatchee and, and Winthrop. Yeah, I mean, we're we're four miles away from a fucking river, yeah. the Columbia River. Yeah, there's yeah. still you water. Know, there's there's water Washington. around. But like to what you're saying, like if we're going to stay up all day. Up in the high country. Then you're going to need to pack in some water. And at the, you know, when it's cold, higher elevations, you are going to dehydrate quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually, do you guys pack electrolytes with you when you go? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. yeah. Always. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, and I've got them jammed in a bunch of different random spots too yeah. for like little emergency backups, and then I've got like a a oh. measured out amount in my food bag. Okay. That like I'm planning to use, but then yeah, I've got. How many times have you have you uh, been into a different part of your pack and be like, oh shit. Like oh oh there's one of those here yeah like, <laughs> oh dude yeah, yeah. this right. morning I found my weed <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, I don't know I was looking for my notebook before we walked up here because anyway and I'm digging through there and I'm like oh shit I forgot that I had like a I don't know salted nut log or something <laughs> yeah, jammed yeah, in yeah, a pocket yeah, yeah. I'm like oh great <laughs> a payday hell yeah <laughs> and uh, two of those you know liquid IVs jammed in every single pocket probably liquid IV yeah. is I like the that elements. changes the world I like yeah. the element too. and liquid. not just because Greg has their his uh, um, that watermelon water or whatever the hell yeah well, because salt. they put magnesium in. like yeah. most electrolytes don't put calcium and mag- it's it's a lot of sodium and you don't get a lot of magnesium and calcium in them. Um, but I feel like element you get. Uh, I don't feel like you do. You get calcium and magnesium, and so you get a shitload of sodium. Yeah. And which and there's is, no sugar. Yes. That's, so they're that's good for drinking every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but sugar's good. <laughs> when you're on that man. Sugar good. Dude, Greg gave me one of those elements, and it was lime flavored. And I swear to God, it was when you order a margarita. That salt around uh, the rim. Yeah. That's what yeah. I thought I was drinking. Don't don't order the chocolate flavor. Good <laughs> dude. I, I, call it, I call it chocolate one? ass. That, it's that, it's chocolate ass uh-huh. flavor. Or the mango habanero. Yeah, fuck yeah that's that. the least yeah, satisfying thing ever with, designed. Stick with the citru- citrus yeah. fruit, yeah. like lemon lime yeah. or yeah. orange the or watermelons. Mm-hmm. Watermelons, yeah. dynamite. Yeah. yeah, grape drink's pretty good. Grape drink. Grape drink. Grape drink. You take grape drink when you're hunting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lean. He's getting high out there. <laughs> so I usually tailor my water to, you know, wherever you're going, obviously, right? So if yeah. you're doing, like, somewhere where, you're, like, you were describing you're going up real high in the desert and there's nothing there, maybe an option is as you're scouting the area preseason, carry a liter of water in with you and hide it under a rock. Yeah. Do that three or four times. Now you got, you know, Three days where the water stashed up there. That's really a really good, good option. Um, there's usually little potholes or something that you can. Take maybe a, it's even muddy or something, um, so you can life straw some water out of that. You know, there's ways to kind of find yeah. and scrounge. But if I'm if I think I have to carry a bunch of stuff in, I'll usually try to carry it in on scouting trips so okay. that I don't have to do it all in one crack. Yeah, smart. I'll stash four liters of water under a tree somewhere and mark it on my Onyx map. What Jake said is actually something 
we do is if you can have a cachet, yeah. you know, if you mm. go to the same spot year in, year out, it's like, okay, five years, you take a bunch of freeze-dried things or tarps or yeah. extra things, and you hide them. Uh, last year, well, I okay. guess we had One a bear thing, get into ours. I was and just going to say. Torn up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens, but... I mean that's one out of five years, you know. That's a so good point. I just I imagine you guys back there like the scene in uh, heavyweights where they're stashing candy in the log <laughs> and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, see yeah. you guys back there. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's on a scouting trip with a backpack full of Skittles, just kind of like throwing them out everywhere. <laughs> so one thing that never leaves my bag is my Steri Pen. I love my Steri Pen. Yeah, and this is a it's an electronic ultraviolet light wand basically so you fill your just regular old nalgene bottle up with creek water river water whatever you want it to be fairly cleanish in my opinion um you don't want sediment in it and you turn on this thing you put it in the water you wave it around for a couple of minutes and then it beeps when it's done and it has not purified but like sterilized the water it killed Dude, all so the uv the kills all yeah, the bacteria kills, yeah so it's good for like giardia it's, yeah have you ever gotten Giardia? I've gotten it no, once. No, I've been super careful. What? Um, so I like that. That's what I use 90% of the time. What kind I of can, battery does it run on? Double A's. Um, the uh, SteriPen Classic takes triple A's, but I've got a SteriPen Ultra now that's just rechargeable. Oh, interesting. And Ooh, what nice. also lives in so, my, my kit is a um, big battery pack that I use to charge my headlamp and my flashlight, my SteriPen, yeah, my uh, my GPS, my phone. Yeah. As, Ooh, as, as an old school infantryman, I hate electronics. I hate anything sure. that I have to trust that is electric. So I carry I carry a paper map, a, a analog compass. Trust a paycheck and, uh, to that electric shit. Huh? Trust what? A paycheck to that electric. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm being forced to. <laughs> What's uh, an electrician. Uh, over what, here. what did old sailors used to carry? Is it called an azimuth? That thing they'd look at the stars and oh, stuff. Oh, it was with? a, uh, it was a, it was a comp- or not a compass, but a uh, protractor. Is that what it was? Yeah, they'd use a protractor and a map and a compass. I feel like that's where you are. I mean, being a twenty first, twenty second century hunter. Yeah. I mean, Onyx has changed the game, man. But what if your what if your it phone has. battery dies? How do you feel about I mean, that? You feel, I, like, you feel like there's spots that are getting fucking picked over by people who don't deserve to be there because they're looking at a fucking Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's not like the playing field isn't level. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's but like they, I'm torn. Like on one hand it's like It's level, that, but it, but it wasn't level before. Right. It was it was level to the people who put in the work and now there's a group of people who just anybody can just yeah, but you hit it with put in the work. Yeah, you can look up a spot on your phone. There's you're a, like, oh, this is awesome. But going there yeah. is a different situation. Yeah, but so I mean, there's you, a lot of times, you know, where it's like, ah, that guy wouldn't have found my spot if it weren't for damn Onyx Maps. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have known about my other spot without Onyx Maps. It's a field that I have driven past for 20 years and didn't even know existed until I looked on the thing and went, oh, wait, there's a field over there? There's yeah. a clearing behind those trees? I had no idea, you know? Yeah. Then you go back there, and it's now your favorite blacktail spot or whatever. Yeah. Also, yeah. how so, many people look at Onyx and just look at satellite? They don't look at topography. Right. You know? You start, <laughs> yeah, you start heading out there. You're like, what the fuck is this? I thought it was a, a small tree line. Yeah. And you're like, dude, you're going up a thousand no, foot oh, vertical. Yeah. I think, I think the amount of times I've had Onyx and Google Earth set up at the same time running and fucking, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah looking yeah. like dude, 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 dude. yeah 
So, I mean, it can give you a false sense of confidence. Um, there's been a time or two where I've been out by, like, Winthrop or so, where which is kind of where the Pacific Crest Trail ends. That's my and territory, it's a, yeah, buddy. Yeah, it's a good mule deer spot. Yep. And there's been a couple of times I've been up there, and there's been guys who are just purely relying on Onyx, and their phone dies, and they panic. And it's yeah. like, dude, just go back down the trail. Leave. <laughs> yeah, like, you can just keep going back that way. You're not lost. Yeah. Don't, oh, no. Yeah, you're okay. You know, so don't let it get you in over your waders. Yeah. Oh, good quick segue. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I have. I, so I got lost when I was like 13 years old hunting with my dad. Yeah. And uh, he put me up above this draw. And he said, okay, I'm going to walk up to the top of this draw, and I'm gonna, then I'm going to walk down it and push the deer. So if you see it, you know, he's giving me like careful instructions. Like, obviously, he's wearing an orange vest. He's like, don't shoot me but I'm going to push these deer down in front of you. And uh, so I sat there for hours and I could see other hunters like across the draw looking down in and like, I'm looking up toward the top and I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. And uh, after like three, four hours, I was like, I started getting like kind of panicked. So I'm just out there by myself at 13 years old. And I turned around and I could see down into uh, the Okanagan Valley, this little town of Malat, it's called. I was like, you know what? It's going to be dark soon. I better start walking. So I just picked up, started walking down the hill toward into the, into the Okanagan Valley. And, uh, I made it all the way down the mountain and actually I, I was trying to find the truck, but I, somewhere along the way I got, I, th I think we had taken a dog leg as we hiked in and I just went straight and went right past the truck Yeah, and, uh, ended up down. So I just kept going down into the valley and I ended up walking into a, uh, you know, everything's apple orchards over there. So I walked into this apple orchard and I finally, I walked down some road and I eventually found an office to like an apple growing place. And I guess, fortunately somebody was in there on a Saturday and I was like, shit, I've got like this, it's a hunting, it's not like a scary rifle. It's a hunting rifle yeah, over yeah, my yeah. shoulder and I'm wearing my orange vest and everything. But I was like, crap, I don't want to walk in there with a gun, you know? So I, I, like, laid my gun down in the grass, walked in, was like, hey, um, I got lost hunting with my dad, and it was a couple hours ago I walked down here. And so they, they ended up calling the county sheriff, who came and picked me up, drove me home, and then they sent another sheriff's deputy up to where the car was parked. <laughs> oh, my God. But oh boy. Now, now my dad's looking for me, and he's not yeah. coming back to the truck until he finds me. So oh. the sheriff isn't going to go hiking around the mountain. So they just, like, wrote a note and put it on the windshield wiper of the truck and left. Yeah. And so my dad hiked around until, like, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock at night until he was like, shit, I got to go to the truck and get some water and something to eat. He's out looking for me and finds this note that I'm, I'm, I'm at home. Jesus. <laughs> getting lost or have someone getting oh. lost. I've been a couple hunting trips where someone – and it was just miscommunication. It was someone saying they were going to go with another person, but you're hunting, so you don't want to be like, hey, I'm going hunting with this guy. You know, it's hand signals and all that stuff. And it turned into situations where people were gone for eight hours and stuff like that, but yeah. search and rescue gets called. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah. And... It's weird, man. And then getting lost yourself, like it, it's terrifying. That's yeah. why if you everyone, haven't been if, lost if in you the don't woods, know, if you don't know how to read a paper map and a compass, and I get it, if you want to use Onyx and Google Earth and all that shit, 
but you should have that analog capability somewhere in a pocket or in your backpack, and you better know how to use it. Yeah. Because you should not, if you're going into the woods trusting electronics, you're fucking up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll hear it, even when I talk about, like, training Northwest and uh, firearms and and tactical gear, I don't trust electronics. I'll I'll use electronics, but anything electronic I have a backup for. And now I have an analog backup for, like, my red dot sight. I have I have flip up iron sights that are a backup to that electronic red dot sight because yeah. I will not trust anything electronic in the bush. Yeah, mm-hmm. or even in the woods, knowing where the sun rises and yeah. where you are in comparison yeah. and where it's setting. I mean, mm-hmm. just taking basic, just basic points. Yeah, and yeah. moving off of that, it's it's important. All right, so, guys, we're uh, oh, go ahead. No, I uh, say so we're we're pushing the two hour mark here. Are we? Um, covered food, water, shelter, backpacks. I think we should probably wrap it up here, save uh, save more content for later. And uh, Jake, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank awesome. you for thank having you, me. Jake. Any, anytime we're talking hunting, we'll be sure to uh, make sure Jake's involved. I'd love to. Yeah, or, Come back, yeah, tell some hunting stories. Maybe, maybe, maybe do maybe a video, even. take these backpacks apart, talk about what's in I them. Th- I think we should. I think, I think the next uh, follow-on thing we should do is uh, have Will come out and we'll do a... Uh, backpack strip down video of everything we just talked about um, what i think could be good for another episode i'd be interested in how you how do you guys define backcountry what makes the backcountry i get out of the car yeah <laughs> <laughs> i say it's it's the part of jordan's underwear where it goes into his ass yeah. it's like it's like a t-bar at the top and yeah. then the backcountry is where like there's a lot of hair yeah, and notice how it's foreign to him because yeah, he doesn't then, wear any. Right. Have you ever yeah. seen a whale tail in the backcountry? <laughs> yeah. The backcountry. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of a funny thing. It, it looks it's a like funny a T above all the hair, and then it just disappears into hair. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's is that, that, the side that, you that like is the spoon That on? is the backcountry. Yeah, can't see the forest of the trees. <laughs> and, you need, and you need a compass in there. <laughs> is that the side that you like to spoon on? No, yes. he, he's, he's, he's small spoon I'm small for sure. Spoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next episode, let me tell you how a chin strap keeps you warm. <holy <laughs> 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 shit. All right, I'm going to end it on that note. Thanks, right. everybody. Right. Thank you for Thank having you. me, guys.